welcome back to Try Not To Die. I'm your bodacious bard, Noah Prito, and I'm here with our marvelous muses. Lisa Condemi and Ashley Goodwin. Ooh. Ooh. No character intros today, guys. I mean, you're gonna get those intros in a matter of seconds, so just be patient, okay? Let's jump right into it. Flicker the house lights. It's time to begin again. Come one, come all, to the most bombastic battle of the bards that has ever graced the multiverse eyes, ears, and souls. This is Musemakers. With the audience in their seats, sparkling orange lights begin to trace the floors, the seats, and the stage. A deep, rich orange light that traces the ornamental stone reminiscent of vases formed from Greek artisans centuries ago. Stone shifts and pillars rise from the main stage. Standing atop each is a woman dressed in elegant white robes, each toga bespoke and styled to represent them, their personality, and their domain. The crowd remains enraptured by their beauty and stature until they all suddenly strike a pose and the music begins to play, the crowd roaring with approval and excitement. Stairs rise up to each of the columns, allowing the muses to gracefully make their way down onto the stage, each striking out in their own way. One looks like she's telling a joke to part of the audience who bursts out laughing. Another dances, one sings, each flexing within their abilities, the music continuing to play. As each continues to dance, vogue, and interact with the crowd, the tallest, Calliope, muse of epic poetry and literature, this beautiful bronze-skinned woman with golden orange eyes identical to her sisters, but thick black hair worn high in a headpiece, steps to the front, the audience roaring as she waves and smiles. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, heroes and villains, welcome to Muse Makers, where we, the muses, decide what's amusing and what's confusing. Talia, <laughs> the muse of comedy, the shortest of the nine with big curly blonde hair and bright orange eyes turns from the gaggle of fans who are consumed by laughter. To see who's a joke? The muse of tragedy, Mopomene, a pale, more androgynous, gray orange eyed muse with a shaven head turns from others who are wiping their eyes from what looks like a deep, cathartic cry speaks next. And who is a tragedy? Hand placed upon her chest, another muse, Euterpe, muse of music, and of average height and impeccable posture with thick, deep red hair, sings to the crowd. So, whether you can carry a tune, one muse with the body of a gymnast, Terpsichore, the muse of dance, art in the body, her straight, dark black hair in a tight bun, cartwheels in and lands next to her in a perfect split. Or dance on the beat. A poised <laughs> veil muse studies the audience with judgmental, narrowed orange eyes, arms crossed. Polyhymnia, muse of sacred poetry, tradition, and discipline, speaks many voices layered as one. Well practiced, perhaps the most entrancing of the muses, Irato, the muse of love and art, a curvaceous woman with thick, shiny black hair and olive skin, winks at an audience member who faints, no one catching them as they collapse into their seat. <laughs> or a complete amateur. Urania, muse of astronomy, the cosmos, and all connections of art in the universe. A muse with cool obsidian skin pocked with star-like birthmarks and large thick glasses looks out towards space above. All touched by art can compete. The sound of a book slamming shut silences the crowd in an instant. Cleo, muse of history and the arts recorded from the past, a fantastic tall woman with cat-eyed sunglasses and sharp, well-defined bone structure vogues. But only one will go down in history. All eyes of the muses are on their leader, the first who spoke, Calliope, who smiles. So, without further ado, why don't we meet our contestants, shall we? 
We cut to a villa, set into the rough white cliffs of a small Mediterranean isle, secreted away from the known world through powerful magic, hidden between reality and unreality, a demiplane called home by a small family. Cypress trees cast long shadows in the warm orange light of the setting sun that glistens over the wine-red sea, the sound of insects buzzing and the occasional sharp call of a magpie echoing out over it all. We are drawn from this peaceful scene by the sound of a lyre coming from one of the balconies of this Christine villa. A simple, beautiful tune, like a lullaby, rings out, soothing the creatures of this isolated isle and perhaps all of reality itself. Ashley, would you like to introduce your character and maybe give us a little description? Of course. Um, my character is called Cora Lacrima. Uh, she is a fallen ASMR bard. Her head is donned with long ashen blonde hair that is lowly and loosely in an off-center ponytail. She has striking amber eyes and rosy cheeks. She typically wears a confident, closed-mouthed smile of someone who is incredibly intelligent, talented, and who is eager to meet new people as she doesn't get out much. <laughs> Contrary to her welcoming demeanor when one first speaks to Cora, there is a darkness lurking beneath the surface. Her strong and curvy frame is gracefully encased in a dark leather armor that resembles the twisted roots of an old blackened tree that crawl from her toes to the top of her neck in a way that sort of looks like two clawed hands coming around her head to the base of her chin. One of her dark eyebrows disrupted by an almost undetectable scar on her forehead. Cora was born of generations of musicians and has been religiously trained by her mother in all creative mediums. Literally, all she has done for the entirety of her young adult life was trained to be on Musemakers and win. Now is her time to shine and maybe make some friends. But, <laughs> but don't tell her mother that. <laughs> As you finish plucking the final notes of this beautiful lullaby, the first song you ever wrote when you were a child, a voice interrupts you from your post-performance bliss. That old song, really? Cora, don't you think it would be better to practice something that requires more finesse? Oh, um, I wasn't even practicing. <laughs> I was just... Uh, I wasn't even thinking, actually. Do you plan on doing any practicing? I mean, they should be here soon. Who? Your mother, Alzea, clad in long, dark red linen robes, walks out onto the balcony overlooking this beautiful island, bright amber eyes scanning you like a court magistrate ready to give a sentence. She looks a lot like you, beautiful, sort of white, almost golden blonde hair, only an intense aura radiates from her, authoritative, critical, embittered, and ready to be disappointed. Just so you know, I won't be there to give you any guidance. Ah, uh, I know. That's... That's horrible. I wish you could be there. <laughs> I know, honey. I know. I, I promise I will be there in spirit. And you know, I did pack you something that might help, but... Ah. She walks past you, pulling out a cigarette and a bronze flick lighter, quickly lighting it and taking a long inhale. Mom, don't do that in front of me. It's going to ruin my voice. <sighs> she exhales, crossing her arms across her chest as she looks out onto the darkening sea beyond, the now reddish sun sinking down towards the horizon. The smoke spirals into the sky, a little wind kind of carrying it away, but literally straight into your face as you are putting down your lyre. My mage hand, like, waves it out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> the many realms aren't nearly as kind as ours, Cora. I've been to one of the material planes. It's a mess. 
a cultural cesspit stuck in their ways by those who think they know what art truly is and how one should create it. Most people think they're unique. They claw at the surface of purpose and claim certainty, unknowing that their strings are being held by those whose interests often contradicts with their desires. She takes a long drag of the cigarette and exhales the smoke. Do you... do you mean the gods? <sighs> Unlike all of them, you have clarity. You do have a reason to exist. You are unique. She looks up towards the sky. At least for now. <sighs> Mom. I'm nervous. Oh. Don't be. You've trained your entire life for this moment. I know that you'll do fabulously because you have to do fabulously. <laughs> Mom, what is art? <laughs> How many times do we have to go over this? But what do you what do you think it means? Uh, she looks off, taking another long drag for cigarette. I think the true meaning of art cannot yet be revealed until those who hold the strings are removed from the equation. Cora thinks to herself, another vague thing my mom says that I don't quite understand. <laughs> Ugh, moms are so vague. She uh, puts her lyre like, back in its case and kind of like shores herself up. She goes and stands next to her mother. Thanks, mom. I appreciate everything that you've done to get me here. And I know it hasn't been easy. She turns and puts a hand on your cheek. You can smell the cigarette smoke as she presses it and you lean into her hand. Don't worry, darling. All the thanks I need will be you winning this competition for us. Everything you need will be in this. And she pulls out a little satchel for you. It's very simple. It's designed to look unassuming in a lot of ways, but it could be worn almost as like a little over-the-shoulder bag. I put it on, and I put my hand on it and, like, revere the gift. She takes one last drag before ashing the cigarette, a far-off look in her eyes that she shuts down as quickly as it comes. You have the chance to do what I couldn't, to break the cycle and free all of us. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> and she turns, intense citrine eyes meeting yours, a mirror that makes you want to look away as she walks past you into the villa proper, leaving you with her words heavy in the still, warm, ever-summer air. The insects are quieter, as if they know to pull back as the night comes, but not become silent so that it's not disorientingly quiet. The sun is low now, the sky a brilliant gradient of fiery hues into soft blues. What's going through Cora's mind right now? I think Cora's super excited to to get out of the house. Um, I think she's really confident in her ability, and the reason why she feels nervous is because she's never really spoken to anyone besides her mother. So she doesn't know uh, how she, how other people will be, and I guess in a way assumes they'll all be kind of like her mom. Mm -hmm. Speaking of not speaking to anyone else but your mother, you see, or rather you don't see in a lot of ways, this sort of uh, movement in the air as the presence of an unseen servant puts a hand on your shoulder, almost trying to console you as you will it to do so. 
Reggie, good thing you're coming with me. I don't feel so alone. There's a tug on the bag um, that flips it open as if you're subconsciously wanting to look inside. Cora looks inside the bag, pulling things out. As you look in, you notice that it is kind of an open void, and you mechanically would know this to be a sort of bag of holding. Uh, inside. <laughs> Thanks, Dungeon Mommy. Every campaign needs one, baby. <laughs> it's either that or a handy haversack, baby. Um, inside, you find three things. The first, a bronze chime. Simple, but incredibly well designed. The next, a small vial, no bigger than a bottle used for a perfume sample, containing a viscous red and sp- almost sparkling gold fluid topped with this carved black stopper. A note is tied to that. And finally, a twisted, blackened sickle with a golden hilt that looks simultaneously ancient and brand new. Carved into the blade, you see a number of old characters that you recognize as a sort of primordial language. Uh, Do you read primordial? Yes. You read the words, Theos Telefonos, God Killer. (laughs) Whoa. Give me a charisma saving throw. First roll. And it's a saving throw. You don't Whoa. get it. It's not what? even a Jump it in. Ten episodes, baby. Get a better fucking buckle up. A natural. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> Campaign two. Welcome. That's a good sign. That's wild. Shut up. That's fucking what. Keep it all in. <laughs> You briefly feel a sort of surge of emotion. You can't truly decipher what its intent is because you're able to sort of stifle it down very quickly, but it is an intense sort of passion, passionate urge that you quell the moment you really take your hand on the blade. I grip it and take a big, sharp breath. After taking a moment with this sickle, you place it back inside the bag and look out as the sun finally sinks below the false horizon, simulated for the sake of sanity in this private world. In many ways, your mother is right, but you see something hidden within her expectations. The truth. This is your moment, your time to show everyone who you really are and see the worlds for what they are. The familiar cackle of a magpie breaks you from your thoughts. The beautiful black and blue bird hops over, black eyes blinking as it tilts its head, white feather chest puffed out proudly. Are you ready? Oh, you're the guide. Mm-hmm. I'm Peepo. 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 Plebo? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Stilton, the bird, the bird and its name looks is <laughs> Thousand miles there. Peepo. My first friend. Nice to meet you. Are you ready? Yes. The magpie flutters down onto the island proper, away from you, following the path that has been cut into the stone and lined with lush gardens towards an archway at the bottom. 
normally open and looking out into the dark sea as it has your entire life, you now see as a swirling black vortex of stars has formed, beckoning you. I think I feel like the dark starlit moment happening is very, feels very comfortable. Mm. And um, I feel like a longing toward it. You head through the villa, out the door, down the steps, not even saying goodbye to your mother as you rush towards your freedom, towards the show you've trained for your entire life. You reach the portal and pause for a moment. This is it. Any last thoughts before you leave this, your home, behind? I think I hear my mother's voice in my head saying, don't fuck it up. You shake your head, smiling, and step into the darkness. The sound of a bell ringing snaps us to another scene. The tranquil sounds of nature replaced by discontented voices from a mob of clientele complaining within the ostentatious lobby of the Periclesis Hotel and Spa. A pleasure palace for the rich and famous, it is known for its wellness treatments, relaxation facilities, and unparalleled customer service. All of which are being ridiculed by this mass of folks swarming around the front desk where one single attendant attempts to manage their expectations. Lisa, would you like to introduce yourself and perhaps give us a little description? Um, so sorry. Uh, it's just the system is down. Um, if everyone could just wait for the... Um, internet to come back up. Uh, hold on, ma'am, please. Behind the desk is Perdito Khmer, known to his few friends as Dito. Dito is a tall, gangly, 30-something human, just a regular, regular human in a regular, regular human world. He's wearing, uh, right now he's in a little bit more of a polished uniform for the hotel where he works as a night concierge. But usually when he's doing his food delivery job or his copy editing job or just different freelance things, he's usually in a hoodie, loose jeans, some kind of band tee and converse. He's got a strong hooked Grecian nose, but soft brown eyes. Um, thin framed glasses that don't really do anything to cover the deep purple eye bags underneath his eyes. He's got sort of outgrown hair like a mullet or a shag that hasn't really been touched in a couple of months since he could last afford a haircut. He's got a little bit of a awkward, not very confident uh, posture. And Dito usually can be found with a notebook in his pocket or a pen stuck behind his ear. As you are scrambling to try and troubleshoot the various problems that are uh, just keep on popping up on the computer, like you get a, a bunch of emails coming down for in. Everyone. <laughs> Uh, the mob continues to rage. Uh, a wealthy older woman pushes forward and points a wrinkled finger in your face about to yell at you about something when a sneering businessman sort of slams his fist on the counter in front of her, interrupting you and her. Um, hello? I tried to book Comfort Conference Room 3 and it's telling me it's completely booked for the day? I have clients who have flown in, set to be here in 10 minutes. What are you going to do to fix this? Uh, um... Free champagne on the house for everyone. I think I've got some bubbly, I knock over a bottle of champagne that's um, stacked beneath the counter for cases like this where a system goes down. You begin to try and clean that up, uh, trying to put out one fire as another one erupts. This gaggle of girls all dressed in pink with one dressed in pristine white wearing no. a tiara jostle no. their way no, to the no. front. One of the Not ones the wearing bachelorette. pink wearing a sash that reads Maid of Honor, um, but Maid has been crossed out and it says slayed of honor um <laughs> kind of leans onto the counter 
Um, hello, we're supposed to check in tomorrow morning, but is there any chance we can check in, like, now? Um, we're, we're celebrating this fugly bitch's last weekend as a single lady. Nozzle to the fugly bitch. Um, what if I get you girls all complimentary uh, visits to our sauna, and you could book a massage while we wait for your um, room to be ready, um... 28 hours early, I start scribbling <laughs> very in my notebook that is kind of um, half these like doodles and sketches of these fantastical cities and clouds. Like Dido's mind is often elsewhere, somewhere much more magical, but in between it is all of the random to do's of life and everything that starts to spill over the cup <laughs> of these different uh, gigs that he has. Oh my God, that would be amazing. <laughs> right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we'll just draw our bags off here and you see all of them begin to just like stop and drop their suitcases in please, front of the desk. Please tag those. Please tag those. A little boy and girl repeatedly right ring the bell at the front desk, their parents ignoring them so and focusing cute. on you. <laughs> Are you in charge here? We just got a notification that our room is ready. Room? Single room? There's four of us. Obviously we need two. Um, I think as all of these uh, hollers and demands um, come in, Dido just kind of, under the guise of cleaning up spilled champagne and tagging all of these abandoned suitcases, just kind of sinks below the desk slowly onto the floor. <laughs> you see his wife just looks to her husband and goes, this is absolutely ridiculous. It it's is. this kind of service that Pericles has prides itself on. I want to speak with the manager. I'm the manager. <laughs> the I'm the night manager. <laughs> the ringing of this bell uh, bouncing inside of your skull, causing your head to beginning to ache. The guests are only growing louder and louder as you attempt to calm them. And then, thankfully, you see a stunning young redheaded woman in an outfit that matches yours. One of the few co-workers who doesn't make your life a living hell. And one of your roommates, <laughs> Ellie Piska, runs over. Hello everyone, hi, if I can have your attention, there is a complimentary buffet and open bar now available at our rooftop restaurant you can enjoy while we work to solve your very, very important issues. We appreciate your patience at this time and hope, and before she could even continue, the crowd practically stampedes over her, knocking her flat on her back as they rush to enjoy free drink and food. Ellie just hears my quiet voice come from below the desk. Thank you again, Ellie. She stands brushing the dirt from her trousers and straightening out her thick red hair, her blue eyes meeting yours as you peek from under the desk. <laughs> They're ravenous today, aren't they? They showed up 28 hours before their room is ready. I get 11 a.m. I even get 10 a.m. They're set to come in tomorrow night and they're checking in at, and looks at the clock like 9 p.m.? I think we're going to have to look for vomit later in the saunas. Oh, not again. They seem like they'd had, had a lot of Aperol spritzes already. I could smell it on the air. After you guys share this little banter, she kind of pauses and notices the bags under your eyes, which are perpetual, um, but yet still somehow deeper every single time she looks. <laughs> Jeez, you look exhausted. Did you get any sleep last night? Um... No. Okay, that seemed, yeah, I, the moment, the long pause really told many stories there. Yeah, I was uh, doing Lyft until uh, nine, and then I was doing Uber until two. Uh, and then I was running some errands for our neighbors, you know, the elderly woman who lives down the hall, mm. um, some groceries. She, you know, hands me a tenner once in a while. Yeah, Lady Esmeralda, she's a wonderful woman. She's nice. Yeah. Well, don't let Ozzy catch you passing out, okay? I, I know that you... 
it can sometimes happen. Just... No, I I know. I've three strikes, right? <laughs> yeah, I've. I mean, rent is due really soon, and I, I'm <laughs> I'm okay to cover you. Like I know. No, are hard. thank you. I I don't want to make you do that again. I'll I will figure it out. I'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I gotta go. Uh, let the kitchen know that we're giving a bunch of shit away because they we're not having a buffet and open bar right now. Um, so you got things handled here. You got the front. Yeah, this all seems fine. Perfect. Uh, try not to get fired while I'm gone. Okay. <laughs> You're so funny when you say stuff like that, Ellie. You watch as she rushes off towards the employee lift to try and beat the crowds on their way up, and you are once again left watching the lobby alone. <sighs> passing, looking the most relaxed they could possibly be, pampered and perfumed. What's going on in your mind right now? Did you have a nice facial? <laughs> divine, divine. I heard you're giving away free champagne. Yes, upstairs. Oh, divine. You look incredibly glazed. I look divine. <laughs> just continues to walk away. If you've ever worked a customer service job and you get done with a rush, it is just like the pure opportunity to turn your brain off. There's not even any kind of uh, rest or restoration that can happen in that moment. It's just pure exhaustion and dissociation. Uh, Dito just props an elbow up on the desk, puts his chin in his hand and is looking at all of these bookings and this entire mess that has been created for him in 10 minutes, which seems to always happen as soon as he's got everything under control, everything spins out of control again, and he just starts doodling a city in the clouds far away from here. You begin to doodle and doodle as the hours pass, the night coming, and you really start to feel that lack of sleep catching up to you. You never are able to get a full rest. You always feel like it's just constant napping and always at the worst times. Your eyelids start to grow heavy. The warm air filled with relaxing fragrances slowly but surely eating away at your resolve. I've got the aromatherapy bulb on the desk that's meant to relax the uh, <laughs> clients but only ever seems to make me fall asleep. <laughs> you blink, forcing your eyes to flutter open. You cannot lose this job. Blink, flutter open again. The lobby is pretty empty now. Blink, why do they make all these seats so comfortable? Ellie's probably got it handled. <sighs> you blink and your consciousness slips out of your control as darkness takes you and you fall into a deep Sleep. A bell rips you from your slumber. <laughs> Give me a dexterity saving throw. Hello, treasured client. That is going to be a 12 for me. You pass, but you do knock several things over as you like scramble <laughs> to like keep yourself sitting there. You finally get your bearings and see it's still very dark. The lobby is quiet and still empty, except for a strange, ominous figure wearing a midnight-colored starry robe, standing right before your desk. Um, hello, uh, do you have a reservation with us tonight? They loom over you, their face partially obscured by the shadow of their hood, probably around eight or so feet tall. It's honestly kind of hard to tell. As you look up at them, they almost extend in height. You rub your eyes, maybe disoriented from the quick wake up that you just experienced as this figure sort of stands silently locked upon you for what feels like a very long time. So sorry if you caught me I'd less. I'd like a room for the night. Oh. Are there any available? Um, 
where um, uh, a little booked up. Were you looking for um, an California king, I'm assuming? You begin to, like, you know, essentially scroll through the system, which is thankfully <laughs> now back up. And you find that even though you are, like, fully booked, there is actually one room available. Oh, um, we must have had a cancellation. Uh, you're in luck. Wonderful. As you're kind of starting to tap and, like, fill in the information. What are you doing in town? Have you always wanted to do this? Oh, uh, Be a front desk person at a hotel. Not judging, just curious. Client hospitality. Um, well, uh, I think that this is something that Dito doesn't usually get asked about himself ever. Um, he says, um, no, well, you know, living in the city, it's a gig economy, you know. And it's something you can do at night. There's a long silence as you kind of hold the gaze of this creature for a moment for going back to your computer, continuing to fill out the information, a little shaken by the strange. I mean, this is the kind of client that you're like, Am I, should I even really give them a booking? But yet you kind of feel almost compelled to do your due diligence here and get them the space. Could I have a name for the reservation? As you say that, they look and see that you're writing with your pen. What's that? This? Uh, fountain pen. And that points out the notebook you write. Uh, oh, well, I like to do all sorts of things. Um, drawing, poetry, songs, when I have the mm. time. Give me an insight check. 17. You kind of finally catch the eyes of this being. Deep, sunken, dark. But curious, as if they weren't expecting you. And you were looking for the Paraclesis Hotel? Yes, I've heard great things about this place. It's amazing. Best in town. Lots of free stuff. <laughs> we're <laughs> really just champagne giving it away right upstairs. <laughs> You finalize the room reservation um, with the very little information they're giving you and go to ask for payment and you see that they're holding this heavy black card with strange orange lettering on it that has a golden sort of tap chip. Is credit okay? Yes, preferred. Um, there is going to be a hold, just so you know, for massages, sauna, that makes sense. drinks. Thanks for understanding. Of course. Um, I won't I... be staying for too long. Okay. I take the card and take a little bit of a sneaky glance at it. I think Dido sees a lot of really heavy, like, black platinum cards and things, but has never seen anything quite like this and goes to tap it on the electronic receiver. It feels almost like obsidian. It's very strange. It's heavier than you really could have imagined, and the letters almost seem to... They're definitely foreign, in a way. You're not really sure what it says, but they... Is this they, MasterCard? <laughs> It's a subsidiary. Uh, and you're kind of trying to like look through it, but you, you tap it and the transaction goes through and uh, you get an offer to print the receipt for them to sign. Would you like a receipt? Uh, yeah, I need it for my records. Sure, if you could just sign this. Uh, I um, look around for the hotel pen and then kind of not seeing it, I just place my little fountain pen that I use for drawing. They take the pen from you carefully, signing the sheet with an elegant flick of the wrist. It's been rather difficult finding you, uh, but I hope to be seeing you much more now. 
the Paraclesis? We have, uh, directions on the website. They hand you back the receipt and the pen. Thank you, um, I hope you enjoy your stay and do take advantage of that free champagne. You reach out, take the pen, and as your fingers touch theirs, you are hit with a spark of static that sends your mind through an intense series of flashes. Open pastures, the laughter of children through verdant hill forests, the scents of lavender and honey, blindingly bright sunlight, the chatter of magpies scattering, the sound of a bell rouses you from rest. You fell asleep at your desk, and standing before you is the last face you want to see. Oswald Ozzy Ozzius. He wears essentially the same outfit as you, but it's trimmed with gold. You know him to be essentially the, like, the most high up outside of the owners and investors of this hotel. Mm -hmm. If you're the manager of the night shift, he's like the general manager. Mm -hmm. Sleeping on the job, Ditto. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I was just resting my eyes. Um, since everyone was upstairs um, with the champagne and the um, system was down. It's back up now. Good news. This is a five-star, World Luxury Award-winning hotel. I know. And what sets us apart is our friendly and attentive staff. I know, I know. What do you think our guests here would think if they saw one of our attentive staff members passed out at their desk? They would leave a very bad Yelp review. Mm, a very bad Yelp review. I know. Your generation, I swear, you just don't want to work. You're self-centered, fragile, completely inept. I swear. As he continues to blabber on, give me a perception check. I, I want to work. I want to work. Do you? Do you really? 17. Exhausted, you're starting to lose focus on what your boss is even saying when you suddenly spot a bird flutter down. The front of this hotel lobby is just like massive glass panes, and you watch this little magpie flutter down and kind of see one of the glass walls and land and begin to peck on the glass. Oh, I think there's a pigeon hitting the window again. Stop trying to distract me from my point, Dito. It's important that you are focused here. I made you night manager expecting for you to be aware and awake. What if someone dangerous were to come into this hotel? You're a hundred percent right. Um, I will not ever let this happen again. As you're gesturing with the pen, with that final point, suddenly feel it kind of like spark in your hand in the same way that when you touched that strange figure, your hand felt this sort of jolt of electricity Ow. and you hear a voice in your mind. Finally, a bard worthy of wielding me. Did you say something just now? I've been saying something this entire time. Are you paying attention? In a different voice. What? A different voice? What are you talking about? You know, Ozzy, I'm really sorry. And I never do this, but I think I have to call out sick. Uh, Call out sick? My head is... I only have a half an hour left on my shift, and I'm... No, really, is there a bird in here? As you are just trying to process this, you are hearing the sound of this pecking getting louder and louder, and you hear that, the sound of this magpie chattering. You finally all get to like fully look towards this bird that is outside, pecking its face hard against this window, and see this white-chested magpie, blue-black feathers, fluffed and furious. It's pecking so intensely that you see a chip form, and immediately Ozzy is 
pull from what he's saying to you. No, 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 no. Stop it, stop it, stop it. He rushes, waving his arms, but the bird keeps pecking furiously, fluttering against the window like it expects to be able to move through it. I think that Dino grabs like a broom from behind the desk and is kind of just like ineffectually like tapping the broom at the glass to try and get the bird to like, like back off and away. fly away. Yeah. You're doing that and like it's like, you know, you're occasionally tapping at it very gently, of course, against the window, but at the shoot, same time, shoot. the bird pecks it and cracks spiders through the glass. Ozzy looking to you, now look what you've done. And before you could even speak with one final peck, the magpie bursts through the glass, showering the lobby with these shards. I drop to my knees and just cover my head with my hands. Give me a um, dexterity saving throw. Okay. Seven. Seven. You take three damage. I think that in this moment, Dito is like, maybe I can sue. <laughs> the bird cuts in, kind of flapping in your face aggressively. So you're like just settling up from the glass. And then suddenly there's this magpie just flapping in your face. Ozzy trying to wave it away from you as it takes off towards the sauna. I hate this job. I hate this job. <laughs> As you start thinking that, you hear the voice once again in your head. Well, what are you waiting for? The call to action has been sounded. A hero's journey awaits its telling. Um, okay, Ozzy, whatever you say. What are you talking about? <laughs> I will take off uh, after the bird with the broom running um, down the kind of cedar halls that lead into our sauna rooms. You chase this bird down the halls, finally Ozzie, cornering watch the desk. it. Um, you trap it as it's like fluttering up against the door to the sauna. And you're just kind of there, like hands out, trying not to aggravate it anymore as finally Ozzy and Ellie catch up to you, uh, slowing down. There you are. What is wrong with you? Your behavior tonight warrants immediate disciplinary action. Starting tomorrow, and suddenly Ellie turns and punches Ozzy in the throat, causing him to choke on his words and start wheezing. Oh my god, Ellie, we both have to pay rent. Go. Now's your chance. What? Now's your chance. Are the police coming? Go. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> this bird chirping and like pecking towards the door. Uh, overwhelmed by like the glass, the bird, this voice in my head, Ellie, uh, who is my like sweet, kind, uh, knitting lesbian roommate, who I hang out <laughs> with her and her girlfriend and her cat all the time. Uh, I stumble backwards and uh, picking up some of the things that I dropped on the floor, my notebook and the pen that almost tumbled out from behind my ear. And I just back up a few steps slowly from this confusing situation and then thinking about how much I fucking hate this job, turn around and run because I'm probably fired anyway. You turn around and pull open the door to the sauna knowing there's multiple exits from this like vast I'll sauna I'll go out space. to the men's locker room. Yeah, so you like rush in there and you find yourself running into darkness and split screen, both our bards enter. A strange pull yanking you forward, your soul, your physical form, first one, then the other, tugged in what feels like every direction. The world you once knew slips away, and you feel yourself land on a hard, dark stone surface, the world around you nearly pitch black. What do you do? Do I have dark vision? Yeah, you have dark vision. (laughs) (laughs) Not everyone does, but you do. So I just see this figure? You kind of recognize you're on like kind of a black stone platform um, you look around there's a number of other figures kind of lined up with you to your right is well Dito who can't see you because no dark vision Dito is like putting his hands out around him feeling for a wall and it's like 
Uh, did the cleaning crew turn the lights off again? Shh, someone shushes you. Oops, sorry. Am I in a room? Suddenly, lights flash and music blasts from all around you, the roar of a crowd nearly knocking you backwards. You now stand on the Blackstone main stage of this amphitheater, crowds of countless folks from all over standing up, some cheering, some booing and jeering. It is a total madhouse. Flickers of orange light like those of the ancient green vases flash and trace lines in the space, illuminating just how vast it is. You look around and finally, Dito, you're able to see that to your left is a beautiful blonde haired woman and then a number of other figures that essentially I will read from left to right. An older dwarven man with a thick graying beard, wrinkled liver spot covered skin and a balding head wearing old brown trousers, spenders and a white shirt buttoned down. The toffee buttons undone to reveal thick curly chest hair, a long wooden pipe in his hand. Next to him is a hulking minotaur knight with pied fur covered in sparkling silver plate mail that creaks and squeaks just as he breathes, a massive greatsword upon his back. Next to them, four young men posing together, wearing matching pink tank tops, low-rise <laughs> jeans, and gaudy jewelry. Oh, like some sort yes. of boy band. Like Troy Savans. <laughs> four twinks. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it, but... <laughs> a tall woman whose top half is human and bottom half is a massive black spider with blue black skin and small fang-like mandibles underneath her multiple red eyes on her slender face. Next to her, a dark-haired man with a sour countenance, warm, tawny skin, and a haunted look in his eyes. In the center, this absolute Adonis of a man with sky-blue eyes, golden skin, and matching long, curly hair, worn high and tight, wearing a white toga that is decorated with the classic sort of Greek meander motif, a kind of angular, rectangular swirl uh, embroidered throughout it. Next to him, a beautiful slender woman of short stature wearing a black leather outfit with spray tanned skin, hazel eyes, and an ombre ponytail. Then, a small goblin-like creature with red eyes wearing all red, including a jester's hat. Then, before you, to your left, Dito, a nerdy looking human man with the buzzed high fashion haircut, tinted sunglasses, and sun mist skin, carrying a big high quality camera, who looks to you both and sort of bounces his eyebrows. Before you can ask what's going on around you, a voice booms out in all directions, causing several of those in line, along with the two of you, to flinch. Presenting your hosts, you know them, you love them, the living embodiments of the arts and inspiration, the muses! This is a nightmare. The this crowd roars, and you see a long stone panel set before the crowd and in line with the stage where the nine muses sit, expressions varied as they look upon you all. The one in the center, a stunning bronze-skinned woman with golden orange eyes, identical to her sister's, smiles at you all. Welcome, contestants, to Muse Makers, where the muses make your wildest wishes come true. We are the muses, and you, my dear bards, are the lucky few who have the chance to make their dreams reality. Some of you are fan faves. The crowd screams as Paolo Solare, this Adonis-looking man, shines a white-toothed smile, bright blue eyes glinting as he waves to the many fans. Calliope continues. And others are newcomers. But all of you have the opportunity to prove yourself worthy of the muse's gift. 
a single wish spell for you to use however you see fit. But it won't be easy. To win, you must survive and succeed the challenges of myself and my sisters. And in the end, only one bard who truly embodies art and what it means to be an artist will win the wish. Fear not, however. Here atop Parnassus, you may find your abilities have grown. This close to the source of truth, you are able to connect to the magic that weaves through all realities. So use your power wisely. The short curvy muse with bright orange eyes and a blowout of blonde hair interrupts. Or don't, it makes better television. <laughs> the crowd laughs and Calliope smiles at her sister. Talia, perhaps you should go first then. What better way to start than with a bit of humor? Talia sort of shrug gestures to the audience who begin to cheer for her. All right, all right, I suppose I could take the lead this time, sis. Try and warm the crowd up a little bit. The crowd continues to applaud as Calliope gestures to allow Talia to take the lead, taking her seat as her other sister rises. Hey, how's everyone doing tonight? Finding us amusing? <laughs> the crowd and many of the contestants Good. clap and cheer. <laughs> you know, you just look completely disoriented at the moment. <laughs> um, Talia sort of continues. I am Talia, the muse of comedy. I tell the jokes and all are fond of me. Humor makes an artist grow, truth to power, blow for blow. Each of us will test you, bards, some lessons easy, others hard. The winner will take it all for one. But for now, babies, let's have some fun. The crowd again roars as the contestants all regard each other, some of them casting strange looks your way. Cora's like infatuated by this woman who's so different from her mother. She's like, whoa. As you guys are just marveling at this space, you see Talia kind of puts her hands up and everyone quiets. My challenge is simple enough. With nothing but the clothes on your backs, you will navigate the depths of Tartarus, slaying the souls of the damned and confronting the god of the dead himself as you hunt for the thumb of Midas, all while ignoring the pleas of your fallen loved ones. If, if you look back at them, they will vanish from existence, dooming them and you to insignificance. Cora gasps and is absolutely triggered. I look to my right and I say, Excuse me, ma'am. I think I'm having a psychic break. Is there anyone who could help me? <laughs> Your fellow contestants also sort of look stunned and disoriented. The audience is dead silent. Even the muses look a bit confused for a beat before Talia bursts out laughing. <laughs> I was joking! The real challenge is far more terrifying. <sighs> that already sounded hard. Improv. <gasps> The other muses gasp, and you see Melpomene, the muse of tragedy, looks to her sister with tear-filled eyes. Please, sister, do not put them through this. <laughs> Talia winks. Every art form needs a bit of improvisation, and every artist should be ready to move outside their comfort zone. What's more uncomfortable than improvisational comedy? <laughs> A stone wall rises from the ground, and an arcane screen blinks into existence. <laughs> Black and orange designs that match the stage and aesthetic of the show coming into the picture. Podiums rise before each one of you, the audience applauding loudly, of course. Each of you, sometimes alone, maybe with a partner, depending how far you get, will be provided with prompts that you will use as inspiration for improvisation. To win, all you gotta do is make us laugh. Just make us laugh. She gestures at herself, the muses, and the audience behind her. Those who fail, well, well, let's just hope you're not one of those folks, okay? Any questions? Dito's hand goes up, very shakingly. Uh, you, the the unassuming one in the towards the towards the left. I'm just wondering, 
where I am. <laughs> the crowd roars with laughter. A lot of sort of jeering, sort of uh, kind of an unkind <laughs> laughter at this. Oh, honey, don't worry. It'll all be sorted. Uh, you know why you're here. Don't worry. I lower my hand. <laughs> oh, okay. Round one, let's keep it easy, all right? I'll cater to each one of you so you don't feel too out of your element. Now, let's start with someone we can depend on. Always good to have an opening act warm up the crowd. Let's give a hand for our first contestant. You know him. You love him. He's more than a triple threat. He's just a threat. Returning champion, Paulo Solare. <laughs> <laughs> You thought the crowd was loud before, but the response to Paolo is deafening. It shakes the temple and causes you to instinctively pull into yourself. The spotlights dim and centralize, coming together in a single beam on this Adonis figure of Paolo Solar. Flashing a grin once more, he calls out, Great to see you all again. Let's hear it for the ever-lovely muses, right? And the crowd, of course, cheers loud and his cue, Talia waving him off. Oh, Paolo, flattery will get you everywhere. We all know who you are, so let's skip the introductions. Your prompt is a handsome, talented man giving his victory speech for winning a competition while simultaneously battling food poisoning. The audience laughs, and you see Paolo's face kind of flush with emotion for a moment <laughs> uh, before becoming a sunlight-bright smile once more. <laughs> Come now, you, you can't be serious, Talia winks. I rarely am, but hey, I, I don't make the prompts, actually. Or do I? I don't really remember. Oh, come on, Paolo, be a good sport. That is, if you think you're up for the challenge. There's a ooh, sort of echo throughout the crowd. Everybody give me an insight check. Four. Four. Purely baffled still. <laughs> I think that really situation. tracks. Yeah, right. I mean, you are kind of not sure if you're still dreaming or not. Yeah, that I ruled a seven. I have a three, so ten. I mean, you don't really get any sort of impression necessarily beyond the fact that this Paolo character is clearly a fan favorite and clearly someone who you think you should be watching out for in this competition. Who my mother told me about. Paolo Solari's smile settles into a smug smirk. All right, all right. Thank you all once again for being here. I am truly honored... Excuse me. <laughs> Anyways, I am truly honored... Paulo's hand grabs his stomach as he makes another stomach noises and kind of fake <laughs> winces. To, to be here, accepting this... Excuse me. Um, <laughs> I'm truly honored to be here accepting this award. I, of course, owe it all to all of you, my fans. I think the world of you... Oh, gods. Uh, and I'm excited to continue to show you what I can really do. <laughs> Paolo mimes grabbing his ass and the crowd roars with laughter, him <laughs> laughing with them and taking a bow. Oh I suppose God. if you win enough, you have to expect a trip through the raspberry patch, right? I'm going to roll his performance check now. He, with a natural 14 plus his bonus, succeeds and you watch as... All of the muses are, like, crying with laughter right now. Even Mel, the muse of tragedy, is hiding her face as Talia waves her hands, practically surrendering. Oh my god, Paolo, please, please step back so we can bring someone else to the mic and I can fucking breathe. Paolo steps back, waving to the crowd with a grin. Uh, with ten contestants left, why don't we actually just roll a d10 to determine who goes next? Let's start with uh, uh, you, Dito. Why don't you roll a d10? Two. Two. Talia, again, applauds. All right, why don't we have a newcomer, huh? Diego Delore! A sour-faced, scrawny young man with olive-tan skin, a mop of black hair, and black white striped shirt steps up to his podium, the audience now quiet. 
Diego, what inspired you to become such a groundbreaking visual artist? Diego, without shifting his pessimistic demeanor, nods. My art, like all true art, was born from pain, from struggle and chaos. I am here to win my wish and prove my status as the greatest artist that has ever graced this stage. Talia does that sort of yeah, yeah, yeah nod, and <laughs> the prompt finally shifts. Diego, your prompt is pretentious man who just saw the newest Despicable Me film. Diego Delors sneers. You're not even sure if he's heard the prompt or if this is his genuine reaction <laughs> to what's going on around him. This whole show is a farce. This is not art. Art is not funny. Art is passion. It is, it is a burning desire manifested in the highest form mortals can create. This, he gestures at his surroundings, is all a charade. I will roll his performance check. I, I liked Despicable Me. <laughs> That's a natural two. <laughs> Before he can finish, you watch as Talia, nodding along with him, hits a button. You hear, and a shepherd's crook wraps around his foot and pulls him down into void that opens below him. His Whoa. voice immediately silences as he plummets into the darkness. The audience remains awkwardly quiet as Talia takes her hand off the buzzer. <clears throat> All right, well, some folks don't really understand the assignment, or maybe they take it a little too seriously, right? How about another contestant? I'm back to thinking this is a nightmare. Uh, Ashley, why don't you roll? Okay. Eight. Talia scans the group, looking to you two for a moment before pointing to the massive minotaur on the opposite side of the stage. Bovin Buffalo! You know when most people think of artistry, they don't really picture a kind of looks him up and down noble knight what brought you to this competition bovin buffalo this minotaur in silver armor puffs out his chest i am a student of the stage a performer underneath all this armor talia raises an eyebrow so did you come from a performance and forget to change or the audience laughs a bit as Bo tugs at the collar of his plate mail. <laughs> well, and Talia snaps the prompt switching again. Enough delay. There's still too many of you and I need to figure out who to eliminate. Your prompt is a bull in a china shop. Bo takes a breath, sort of collecting himself then begins to look around him as if he's surrounded in ceramics. My, this is fantastic. The craftsmanship is unbelievable. So delicate. I need to buy the whole set. Sir, how much for this tea and the match? Oh, ch shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> Starts making shattering noises. I'll roll his performance check. Wow. With a natural five. I'm rolling like dog shit, gang. Um, he's just going, a lot. <laughs> there's there's like an awkward like smattering of applause and you see Talia sort of looks pitifully at him. Well, I'm sorry, you know the deal. And you watch as <laughs> several hooks enough to kind of <laughs> catch this larger figure, hook onto him and he goes, wait, uh, and is pulled into the darkness Aww. below him. Dita, would you like to roll the next contestant? Are they killing them? Five. Moving on quickly, Talia looks to the giant arachnid woman. I did not realize how many of you were going to fail at the top. I guess I did really want to eliminate people, so it does work out. Um, Arachne, how about you? Were you always a fan of Spider-Man? The crowd laughs as Arachne sheepishly brushes her silver-white hair out of her face. <sighs> um, no, I was, um, 
cursed for my hubris? <laughs> Gas and ooze sound throughout the crowd. <laughs> Talia nodding Ooh. her head sympathetically. A classic. <laughs> Ah, yeah, uh, that's right, I heard your story before. Well, I'm happy this version of you made it here tonight. Let's see if you have what it takes. Your prompt is... The prompt shifts. An ugly Christmas sweater for someone with arachnophobia. <laughs> Arachne uh, takes a long pause to focus herself, and then her brow furrows as she begins to produce and then weave this silk from her spinneret. Weaving with intense speed and precision, the audience is equal parts amazed and horrified uh, and after just a few seconds she has created exactly what talia has asked for this white spider silk sweater with countless spiders on it and the words merry xmas i got you spiders inscribed upon it <laughs> my roommate has that sweater you have absolutely seen your roommate wearing that sweater uh, and let's roll a performance check for her with a natural 13 plus her bonus, uh, you see that the audience roars in approval and laughter, loving that she takes herself not too seriously in this moment. And Arachne looks shocked. Then, as her confidence builds, she smiles and offers the sweater to Talia, who forces a smile in response. You know, it's a bit warm for sweaters, but I appreciate the offer. <laughs> Will you roll a d10 for me, Cora? A one. All right, all right. Talk about a tough act to follow. Up next, how about another newcomer? The crowd gets rowdy once more as Talia looks to this gorgeous young woman to your left who vogues for a moment, then tosses her golden brown ombre high pony. Ah, Iconia, pop star from Earth 2123. Come on down. Iconia sort of, um, you know, saunters up to her podium and smiles, like purses her lips, trying to like look cool as the audience uh, cheers and hollers. How are you all doing tonight? The crowd cheers louder as Talia smiles. <laughs> she looks to you, Dito, and kind of like tilts her head a little bit. I tilt my head back. <laughs> she shakes her head and looks back to the audience. Iconia, tell us a little bit about yourself. He watches she puts a finger to her chin coyly. Born and raised in one of the most dangerous lands in all the multiverse, Florida, I've been performing for as long as I can remember. I started acting on a little show called Teen Heart High when I was a kid. And you see a chunk of the crowd starts cheering. I, I applaud. You loved it. I mean, you both, uh, I guess if you had any form of television in your home, Cora, you definitely saw this show. I mean, Cora was trained in all of the different uh, um, domains. So I think that uh, even though she has only known her mother, she has watched many reruns of Seinfeld. <laughs> you are very... Both of you are very familiar with Iconia, and it is a shock to see her here. Someone who you kind of know, but also obviously do not know. Um, Talia joins them in their applause. Ah, oh, wonderful. We all know child stars are notoriously good for television. Your prompt is... Snaps her fingers and the screen shifts. Mariah Carey getting struck by a bus. <laughs> She's with us tonight. <laughs> Mariah! Iconia checks her manicure. Yeah, well, I'm not a comedian, but I'll do my best. And then without changing a thing about her body language or her voice, she goes, <clears throat> Oh my God, a bus. Ow. <laughs> and sort of tucks her hair behind her ear. Roll a performance check for her. <laughs> That's an 11 plus her bonus puts her over the DC. You see the crowd 
erupts with laughter, clearly appreciating her technique here. Yeah. Um, you both are really unsure about what's going to please this crowd in a lot of ways, as Talia laughs and applauds as well. All right, all right, all right. Excellent work, Iconia. You last another round. Up next, Dito, will you uh, roll a d10 for me? Seven. Talia, um, settling herself, uh, looks to the next contestant, this small goblin-like fellow in a bright red jester's outfit. Up next, finally, an actual comedian, Hob, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? This goblin, Hob, smiles, this jagged, broken grin, eyes bright red. Yes, yes, Hob is best jester from King's Court. Make him laugh every single day. Hob like making jokes and <laughs> do little dances, and, and, and Hob is very happy to be here. You see the audience applauds encouragingly, Talia snapping her fingers to change the prompt once more. Uh, we're so happy to have you. This is your challenge to lose, my friend. Your prompt is... Gallagher, the comedian who smashes the watermelon, for those who don't know, doing his classic routine, but he's in love with the melon he has to smash. <laughs> These are great. It's <laughs> really good, Noah. I spent a lot of time at my real job coming up with these. <laughs> Is this Boom Chicago? <laughs> Hobbs' demeanor completely switches. Their excited, wild face becomes heartbroken, almost horrified as they materialize a hammer in their hands with a summoning spell, and then use create food and water to create a plump watermelon on top of the podium. Is it a curvy watermelon? Oh, it's very curvy. Voluptuous. It's a voluptuous melon. <laughs> Time to smash the melon! Tears begin to stream down their cheek, tragic music begins to play as they stroke the melon gently. <laughs> we will always have the melon garden. Hob raises the sledgehammer <laughs> high into the air. Gods, forgive me! And with a mighty swing, they bring down the hammer and smash this melon, splattering the muses, audience, and of course, both of you with pink oh. melon flesh. Ooh. You can try and dodge it if you want, but you'll have to roll a deck save. I would save. like to dodge yeah, it. Yeah, give me a deck save. Pink Dito doesn't see it coming, and it's just like, <laughs> I'm going to have to get my uniform dry cleaned again. It's a 10. You uh, try to duck out of the way, but some of it, like as you kind of turn, it hits your back um, and slides down. Uh, it's not too much, though. Uh, Dito blocked the majority of this. <laughs> I'm going to roll a performance check. Uh, natural six plus the bonus is not enough to beat the DC. You see the crowd is in laughter, but the muses who are covered in melon <laughs> are not very happy with the fact that they're covered in melon. Um, and you see Talia kind of looks to them and- I mean, it's improv. You're supposed to like pretend it's there, not actually do it. <laughs> it's true. He did kind of break that little fourth wall there. They weren't asking for prop comedy. Yeah. It's different. I wasn't asking for prop comedy. <laughs> <laughs> snaps her fingers and a shepherd's crook again hooks him by the waist wait one more chance please Hob can do Hob! and just is pulled through the darkness this is fucking brutal <laughs> um, I miss him next up I miss him too maybe he'll come back I hope so next, the wild card let's roll another d10 four Talia turns her attention back to the contestants 
Cameron Stilfus, looking at the sort of nerdy, um, high fashion character with the tinted sunglasses and massive camera. You're another newcomer to the show. It says here that you've been working as a photographer since you were a young man, snapping shots for the prestigious institution called TMZ, I believe it is. <laughs> Cameron gives a small bow. Malady, it is truly a dream to be here in the same room with you all. I hope we can someday do a photo shoot so I can show you my talent. You see, Talia <laughs> awkwardly looks to her sisters. Borderline creepy! Let's move on before I call security. Uh, a few chuckles ripple in response to her and she snaps her fingers, changing the screen. Your prompt is, baby boomer takes a selfie. Cameron nods and takes his camera and points it out towards the audience. Selfie! Oh, whoopsie, backwards, duh. Turns it back toward her, but nearly drops it. The audience sort of chuckling as he scrambles to kind of hold his arm out far enough and so incredibly far for this massive camera to be in one hand. You can tell that he's struggling and risking a lot by putting it out there. Uh, second attempt, selfie! And then Flash immediately blinds him. Oh, the Flash was on. Oh, hang on. The audience continuing to laugh. I will roll his performance check. Oh my god, guys, I'm doing bad. <laughs> I'll just tell you guys, the DC's 15 right now, and I have not been able to hit that with a single person, except for fucking follow. Oh, man. Um, you see, the crowd is, like, chuckling to themselves, but the reaction is not big enough, and the muses seem unimpressed. I decided it's more creepy than charming. Next! A shepherd's hook hooks him by his neck and pulls him down into darkness. Man, are you sure this isn't a one-shot? <laughs> As I see like us moving through all the people on this platforms, I kind of look at uh, Cora to my right and I go, excuse me, excuse me. Hi. Are we gonna have to do this? Um, yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you a comedian? Could be. You could be. Could be, you hear the voice in your head again. You are what you say you are. Be brave. Be brave, okay. Yeah, I'm super funny. Are you? <laughs> I've never um, met someone like you. Are, are you a man? <laughs> Dino looks down at himself, and this is a question that he sometimes gets from <laughs> the uh, boomers who check into his hotel and are like making fun of his long hair, and he goes, yeah, I'm a man. Wow. Are you, what are your pronouns? What? <laughs> <laughs> so roll a d10 for me. <laughs> Zero. After taking a moment to scan the remaining contestants, Talia looks to you, Dino. Finally, an artist these scrubs can relate to. Dino! Or is it Dido, like the incredible singer and winner of season 1999? Back for another bout. I don't realize that she's talking to me and I'm still talking to Cora. It's like, like she, her, like he, him. They, she's them. talking to you. Dito. Hi. Waves to you. H Hello, everyone. <laughs> it's Dito. It's Dito, uh, short for Perdido. Uh, my parents call me Perry, but Dito. Dito is good. Dito, okay, okay. I love Dido. A fantastic musician. Okay, well, um, is it true you have no formal training? It's true. I smattering of applause. Cora is shocked. You what? Sometimes an amateur has the clarity of creativity a seasoned artist needs. Let's see if you have an equally as important skill when learning new skills. A sense of humor. Your prompt is... The screen switches. 
Complete Amateur performs a sonata for uncomfortable people and the literal embodiments of the arts. You sort of kind of look around and you hear that voice in your head again. Use me, sire. Use me and we will become the greatest bards of all time. Sure. Uh, every, everybody. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Jazz hands. <laughs> Let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter and Mars. I point at the uh, views that has like the New Jersey accent. <laughs> In other words, I reach my hands out to the contestants next to me. Hold my hand. Anyone? As you're singing this, the pen that you have been holding this whole time has transformed into a sort of trumpet. As you're like holding it in your hand, kind of gesturing, you look at it once and you realize that it has become this brass trumpet. And it starts to kind of like... Take it away, pen. Give me a performance check. <laughs> but first, give me a charisma saving throw. Ooh. <laughs> um... Dito, who heard Sinatra instead of Sonata. Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> Performs a Sinatra for a crowd of uncomfortable people. <laughs> the way that Noah looked at me when I Googled it. lyrics. Oh, I need to do it. <laughs> That's a 21. <gasps> you save against some sort of effect. This sort of intense, almost pessimism overcomes you. You at first kind of think it's your just self-conscious nature sort mm -hmm. of pushing to, to the front, but it feels like it's unfamiliar. But you, you press on, uh, give me a performance check. Okay. That is an 11. The audience is kind of just crickets as you as you play and it does actually have some musicality to it and i go and i hold dito's hand and i give them bardic inspiration <gasps> i squeeze cora's hand back and i think that uh dito has probably been in this nightmare so many times that it really he really is not sure if he's awake or not the idea of having to perform for all of these people who are so much better than him and more experienced than him and know what's going on and he's just pressing through like trying to remember lyrics but he's never had someone standing next to him on his side during one of these nightmares <gasps> yes okay amazing i had initially rolled an 11 so this is a 16 a 16 the core is just uh, core is just doing it because you asked her too. <laughs> Thank you, lady to my right. <laughs> you um, managed to get the crowd to kind of snap along with you, and you see Euterpe, the muse of music, begins to kind of hum along with you and snap her fingers. You see Talia's, you know, recognizing that the crowd is at least enjoying this impromptu performance, and suddenly clicks on the idea that, oh, you thought I said Sinatra. And and starts laughing to herself. Oh my God. Cora takes the hand and is kind of like, oh, you told me to do this, but let's make it into a bit. And I like do a, I spin, I spin Dito and kind of like dip them a little bit to end the performance. <laughs> In the dip with Cora, I do jazz hands again and point at the muses. 
The crowd. Cora looks a little bit like, <laughs> all right. The crowd applauds encouragingly. Um, and Dito, you feel this intense satisfaction, this pride that you feel like you haven't felt maybe ever, but definitely in a long time. I think probably no one has applauded for Dito like that since he was like a kid doing talent shows in his living room, you know, with siblings and parents. Uh, And he gets up from the dip with Cor and kind of clambers back onto his platform and says, thank you, thank you. I don't know what I'm doing here. Talia recovers from laughing. Sinatra, Sonata, oh my god, I really set myself up for that one. All right, uh, who's next? Since we have so few, let's just roll a d4 instead. Two. The Muse of Comedy's orange eyes shift to the group of young men to your left that remain. Moving on, everybody give a huge hand for the Backstreet Bards! Dino's so happy it's not his turn anymore. (laughs) The Backstreet Bards? The Backstreet Bards. (laughs) Wow. The four young men who have been practically posing since you arrived dance in place, leading to each of them hitting against each other into one single, like, uh, Ginyu Force sort of pose. Their leader sort of leaning forward. I'm AJ. The next one next to him, Herc. Next to him, Jason. And finally, the last one. And I'm Percy. (laughs) And speaking as one. And and we we are are the Backstreet Bards. There's, you know, a, a, a decent reaction to that. Is that, that. taken? Is that taken already? <laughs> is that allowed? You see, Talia leans away from the mic. Is that allowed? Okay. I mean, it's close, but it's parody. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, she comes back and goes, welcome, welcome. One of the muses, um, Polyhymnia, nodding. I respect that they're well practiced. Talia half-heartedly applauds. Welcome back, boys. I know you were on a previous season, but got eliminated early on. We're happy to have you here. And Jason, the um, one in the middle, flashes a smile. Thank you for this opportunity. And again, they all speak. Backstreet Bards are back, baby! Talia smiles, and the crowd again applauds. You may not realize this, but you just skirted dangerously close to copyright violation. So before you sing anything, let's, you know, start making it a part of the show, shall we? She snaps, and the screen changes. Your prompt is a hit song about falling for a comedian. Suddenly you hear a beat kick in, the crowd beginning to cheer as the boys look at each other, silently sort of communicating and then getting into position and start moving very centrally. Baby, you must be joking. The way you got me choking. I only want to make you laugh. You were supposed to be my other half. But now I see them just another guy. Another fool falling for your lies. So before I go, I need to know what's false and what's true. Am I funny to you? (laughs) (laughs) Is that a song that I wrote for you? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I stole it from your uh, diary. (laughs) That's a natural (laughs) twenty. I mean, it's an earworm, for sure. <laughs> the audience is loving and singing along as Talia is nodding, just absolutely blown away. Was are, was that improv? Do you already have a song like that? <laughs> what the hell was that? Well, I mean, the group loves it, so congratulations. You will be moving on to the next round. Wow. That was amazing. Now. That was way better than my song. <laughs> You did a cover, though, so it takes a lot of guts. <laughs> that's true. That's true. No one can do it like Sinatra. 
saved by the fact that you thought it was Sinatra. Otherwise, it was not a joke at all. No comedy left I feel like in mine it. Mine had less of an improv element. I don't know. <laughs> all right, now we only have two contestants left. Let's just uh, roll a d4. One, two is the other person, and three, four is you. It's two. The audience continues to react as Talia now looks to the older man on the far end of the stage. Cuthbert Carp, author of the fantasy series The Love of the Blade, about a warrior and his talking sword, as our oldest contestant this season, and I think maybe this is your third time here? Uh, are you hoping for a sort of third times the charm scenario? Cuthbert strokes his long beard, puffing on his pipe. I would say that age brings experience. I have dozens of novels written, published, and sold. My record speaks for itself. I am a storyteller. The rest of these whippersnappers are too green to understand what life is really like. How is this guy still here and not the Minotaur? The crowd oohs at that, and you see he shoots you a look, and Talia sort of like waves them down. Well, let's put experience to the test. Your prompt is... Prolific author finds out that all of his books are available as free PDFs on Amazon. <laughs> Cuthbert studies the prompt for a moment, the audience silent in anticipation. Wait, is this real? What's a PDF? <laughs> I don't understand. I'm gonna roll a performance check for him. That's a natural three. Oh. So <laughs> he goes, wait, has it started yet? And Talia just goes, well, I guess third time wasn't the charm, huh? And the <laughs> four drops out and hooks grab onto his shoulders and yank him back into darkness. That seems unsafe for an older man. Oh my gosh. Yes, that was quite unusual, the voice whispers in your ear once again, Dito. Um, I kind of am like, every time it happens, I'm like itching my head or like patting like my ears a little bit. Something wrong with your head. Into the lights. I don't have any soothing abilities, but I can certainly try. Um, not, not now, strange voice. I'm on stage for some reason. Finally, the last contestant to go, Cora. You feel the spotlights focus on you. I swell with pride. Next up, another newcomer, Cora Lacrima, the nobody from nowhere. We know nothing about you. What drove you to become a bard? Um, I'm really just very inspired by my mother. Okay. You know, everybody loves a, a classic Gilmore Girls sort of relationship. We all know it. We all love it. I love that show. She snaps her fingers and the prompt changes. Your prompt is, has a secret they really want to tell, but really can't. The secret is, you assassinated someone. Oh my gosh, someone's dead. Oh, who did that? Who, who, who did that? Wow. <laughs> I think a feeling like the pressure to help Cora the same way that Cora has helped me. Dito um, just kind of looks around at the audience and then just drops to the floor as though he is the dead person who's been assassinated. I dropped to the floor and sort of cradled Dito. I can't believe you're dead. Oh, I can't. Who could have done this? Who could have done such a thing? Give me a performance check with advantage because you're getting some help from Dito. <laughs> oh my God, what a prompt. <laughs> Uh, 14 plus my performance, which is an 11, so 25. Advantage. Whoa. Yeah, re-roll, re -roll, cause you have, um, you might as well see if you crit. Oh my God, that's a uh, 
27. The audience is fully convinced for a moment that you killed Dido and they're like, oh, and you see the muses are like very impressed with your commitment to this bit <laughs> <laughs> as you cradle. And um, I think that, you know, you watch Talia as like, first she's not really sure about what's going on, but slowly but surely as she realizes this, this beautiful scene that you're creating, she begins to applaud and the crowd cheers for you in this first successful showing. What is going through Cora's mind right now as the crowd responds like this? Cora feels like so um, disappointed in herself because she's practiced like all the, of these different mediums so much. She's watched so many different shows and sketches and like knows what's funny and what isn't and knows that that wasn't funny at all, but was so thrown off by the prompt and like touches her satchel, uh, her bag of holding where she knows that the god killer scythe is inside and she wonders if she's been found out. Talia applauds everyone remaining on the stage. Arachne, Dido, Paolo, Iconia, and of course, Cora. Congratulations to our contestants who made it to round two. This time, it takes two to tango. Let's pair you up, shall we? The audience cheers as the stones between platforms fall away into that same darkness and then shift together to kind of slam you close. You two now find yourself paired off. The remaining contestants on Black Squares Arachne by herself as she will be joined to someone when it is her turn. Talia puts a hand over her eyes, spinning around once as the audience laughs at her tomfoolery, stopping when she points to the two of you. Cora and Dito, you're up first. The prompt is... Best friends finding out that they're up for the same role in the school musical. So I heard you're up for the same role. Yes, uh, Juliet. Bigger, bigger, the voice in your head whispers. Ah, yes, I've been practicing already. Uh, Romeo, Romeo. No, I'm Juliet. Um, and I pushed Dito out of the way. Uh, my hair is much more fitting. <laughs> uh, I'm wearing a bustier, and I... <laughs> Push up my chest. <laughs> I could do that if I wanted to. I'd pat up my flat chest. Um, both of you give me performance checks, and I need, before you do that, to roll charisma saving throws again. Mm. Oh, shit. 18 for Dito. Okay. I had a 10. Both of you fail. <gasps> you suddenly feel a sort of like intense foreign pessimism creep into your minds. Go ahead and give me your performance checks. 13 for Dito. Minus 3 is a 10. I got a 21. Minus 3 is a 18. The two of you feel very strangely, like something unnaturally interfered with what you were just trying to pull off. The awkwardness not just from, you know, never working together before, but from some sort of other influence intruding on your performance. And you hear a scoffing laughter from Paolo who goes, <laughs> well, they can't all be funny, right? And you both look to him, but before you can react, Talia goes, sorry guys, you made it pretty far, but this round ain't yours. The ground drops out from underneath you and you feel hooks pull you into darkness. Darker than the darkest night, you squint and try and make out your surroundings. You land hard. Stone, perhaps? But you hear the crinkling and shuffling of paper, Cora. You, with your dark vision, are able to see that you stand amidst a sea of crumpled and torn up paper. 
shreds that are scattered across the floor, sometimes creating sort of sand dune-like piles that tower around you. You hear more muffled landings and see the, the other contestants who failed seem to have like fallen at the same time as you as if they were like frozen and then all dropped the moment that you both entered. You look around, Dito, you are completely blinded in here right now. You have no idea what's going on. You hear the sound of like, you know, familiar voices of your fellow contestants being like, what's going on? That, what, what, why they didn't even really give me a chance. Uh, as you feel this, you know, again, the papery feeling below you. Cora, you see that obviously Dito is kind of struggling right now. Um, I want to wake up now. Uh, I want to wake up now. You guys all, for a moment, sort of collect yourselves, stand, you know, brushing off the paper from you, the little flecks of shreds. I pick up like a piece of paper and I want to read it. You pick it up and uncrinkle it, and you see that it looks like the kind of paper that someone in like a writer's room would have maybe crumpled up and thrown away if they thought the idea wasn't funny. You see like um, a bunch of like scribbles that are just like, but? Question mark? You know, like just random sort of funny words mm. that they at some point thought that maybe they could workshop into something but then tossed away mm. you pick up another piece of paper and it's in a different language but it's the same sort of energy so to speak is that everything around you seems to be these failed jokes Cora, Cora, are you there? yeah I'm right here are we dead? are no. we dead? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so I pick up one of these pieces these scraps of paper and uh, it sort of sets on fire and becomes a little light in my hand. You illuminate the space around you. You see your fellow contestants kind of scattered, you know, 30 plus feet away from you in various different positions. Um, there are, some of them are helping each other up. And, yeah, like, I help around. the old dwarf with the pipe up. Yeah, you, you help up. Um, are you okay, sir? I'm fine. I'm Does Dio see me Thank use you. magic? Uh, yeah, Dio, you do indeed see some sort of magic. I mean, this the spider the woman weaving the sweater was definitely the hard break for me. And so I'm like, that makes sense. Of course, yeah. Everyone's magic here. Is everyone okay? Hob is hurt. That hurt a lot for Hob. <laughs> you see Hob is like holding his arm, the hammer I'm by so his side. so glad Hob is back. <laughs> You suddenly begin to hear shuffling noises from all around you. As emerging from the piles of these trash papers, a sickly sort of gray-skinned hand reaches up, and then another <laughs> kind of bursting from nearby. Something begins to crawl out of one of the dunes. These horrid gray-skinned humanoid creatures wearing torn and worn plain clothes. Hecklers. <gasps> Talia's voice echoes through this vast space. Those of you who have failed the first part of this challenge, it looks like you all lack a sense of humor. But don't worry, there's still a chance you'll survive to the next episode. Just remember what the challenge is and you'll be fine. Everybody roll initiative. Nine. All right, Cora? Six. Six, okay. You know what that makes. 96. 96, yay. <laughs> well, first up is unfortunately Neither of you. First up is As this usual. horrifying Shocking. heckler that crawls out from behind Dito. <gasps> Primitive! And just to leap on your back with it these massive hooked hands. <laughs> uh, it's going to roll an attack. Oh my god. My AC is 14 for your knowledge, Noah. Okay. First one's a natural 20. Oh. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> Second, That's fucked up. Second one is a 16. 
Yeah, they both hit. Okay, they both hit. Mm -hmm. From behind, you suddenly see this hooked hand hook over your shoulder and straight into your chest. There was a gush of this blood. You shock. You've never been injured to this extent before. As you are yanked back and another hook is carved into your side, you take... Oh my god, Cora, Cora! Don't do too much. 21 damage. About half of my hit points. As oh you suddenly god. feel, the, oh my god. you immediately go into shock as the world around you begins to blur. You look out and you see chaos. These tiny little wretched creatures, two legs, no arms, no eyes, just a mouth of serrated teeth. One leaps onto the face of Cuthbert and begins to like gnaw at him as he screams in terror. Um, you see Bovin has drawn his greatsword and is cutting down these others that have like this essentially like extendo arm where it like throws out and tries to like stab him and he cuts it out of the air as i'm kind of falling back in slow motion and feeling my extremities my toes and my fingers start to go cold and looking down and seeing the red staining my pristine white uniform i finally realize that this is no nightmare or perhaps it's the worst kind of nightmare no (laughs) it is no nightmare (laughs) and that is actually going to be your turn dito so you're not first but you're second (laughs) If okay. you're not first, you're second. What do I do? What do I do? You must fight. A true bard does what they know is right. That voice coming into your ear once more, and you kind of now realize the... It's in one ear. It's in one ear, the ear that you keep tucking your pen behind after it had transformed back from a trumpet. Something about this pen is changed. Uh, I take the pen out from behind my ear, and I uh, hold it up to my face and... Uh, looking at it. I don't know any martial arts! Noble, noble bard, you need not have martial arts training to win this challenge. Do you not remember what the muse said? Which part? There was so much in that first scene. This is your action? What would you like to do? (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) As uh, the pen is uh, talking to me and hyping me up, I go, okay! And I just kind of wave it in front of my face and uh, controlled by this sort of otherworldly when uh, Dito spins around and as the pen um, kind of almost like when you're doing the pencil trick and it's like wavy uh, it starts to like wave and vibrate and shimmer and then expands into a long Doru spear and the tendrils of my clothing like instantly shred into ribbons go out around me and almost like a DNA helix streams of light and ribbon and cloth start to wrap around Dido, his hair um, standing up on its edge and then when everything settles Dido looks very different with the um, kind of top shaggy mullety parts of his hair like floating out very puffy and then the long bits have wound themselves into braids and his uniform has transformed itself into sort of like a like a napkin shirt sort of that comes from the neck and then uh, billows out around him into a long dress, kind of like Grecian vibes, um, but pure gold with the slightly lighter gold stars and moons and like a a circlet um, circling his head made of pearls and crescent moons. The stress may take its toll, but you are destined for this role. Uh, Okay, okay. 
Cora is in shock, this like radiant light emanating from from this person who she remembers had no idea what they were doing here. Dito is also in shock, but you can kind of see like, it's almost like his posture has been magically like pushed back a little bit of having such an ostentatious appearance has like given him a little bit more confidence. Talia's voice echoes out. Now that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Help. <laughs> no. <laughs> Since it's right up on me, I just uh, shove my pen spear into it. In a fluid motion, you kind of like elbow it back, push him off and then spin. And there's this fluidity to your movement that shocks even you as you stab into its chest. Uh, I don't really do this. That is a 10, but I am going to use uh, my favored by the gods ability once per short rest. If I miss with an attack roll, I can roll 2d4 and add it to the total, possibly changing the outcome. Oh my god, I'm, I'm missing Smite so hard right now. Oh. The last time we used that. That's a 13. 15. 15 is exactly this creature's <laughs> AC. As you spin around and it looks at you snarling, these two heads, one kind of emerging from its where its neck would be, it snarls and... How do you even try? As you like stab it straight in the chest. Whoa, wow. <laughs> uh, what, what do you do for damage? Oh, right. I can do that. <laughs> oh, right. Damage is included. Oh, yes. So it's going to be 1d6 plus. That's eight damage. I think because Dito is like leaning into this chaotic uh, moment with all of his strength and fear of death, that Dito is going to use the writer's block ability and deal (laughs) additional damage to this creature. So 3d6. Five total, seven more damage. There's a surge of this like powerful psychic energy and Cora, not only are you shocked by this incredible display of power, but you also, like, as this transformation is completed, there is a almost, I don't want to say relaxing energy, but there's like an assurance, like a safety that comes emanating from Dido. And as you stab into this creature, it howls in pain, it clutching its two heads. Ah, no, no. It's sort of like the refreshing, like, night breeze that comes on, like, a late fall night when you can feel it starting to come through the windows and everything smells really fresh, like summer still. That is, like, wafting out from me over everyone. You pull the spear out, um, and this creature howls in pain. Uh, Looking around you now, you again see that there's varying degrees of success here. It looks like Arachne has also fallen down here since the last time you guys uh, were up there and she is very very quickly sort of like spider webbing people into piles um, like skittering away you see Cuthbert has managed to get these little wretched creatures off of him and is kind of like ha, 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 screaming and you see like he whips out a book and he scribbles something down and like points at them and there's like a blast of fire that explodes on the creature kind of blasting it back as he runs and dives into the one of the piles of paper Bovin is again just this massive blade swinging it wildly cutting these creatures down as one of the few calm spirits here diego is just like looking at them and with a flick of his wrist will say something nasty like you are nothing and you watch the creatures (laughs) like throat explode with 
blood. Each one of them seems to have an understanding of their arcane abilities that to you, Dito, is quite shocking. But you had no idea that you'd be able to do this, but you're watching others who seem to have an understanding that magic is real and you can wield it if you know how. <laughs> Everyone really knows what they're doing, huh? <laughs> Come on, you can do it. You see Bovin cut another one down. Okay, uh, I think I'm going to cast a third level Dissonant Whispers on this creature, on the Heckler. Compiling more of that like psychic energy to rattle this creature that you see is already reeling from Dito's attack. So Korra's eyes glow with this amber uh, warm light, and she starts to whisper a discordant melody. And this creature within my range is racked with terrible pain. It's instantaneous. You make a wisdom saving throw, but you're going to get hurt either way. Over and over and over again, this melody. No, no, no. I, I feel like I've heard it before, but I don't know from where. Uh, my DC is 16. 16. That is going to fail with a natural 9. So that is only a 10. 17 damage. 17 damage. Ooh, boy. So on a failed save, uh, it must immediately use its reaction to move as far away from me as possible. This creature stumbles back, screaming, kind of falls into the paper. The two of you have, like, just a moment of reprieve as you look at each other, um, seeing the chaos unfurl around you. You see Hob is got his little hammer out. He's like, ah! Hob did not sign up for this. Hob didn't know the challenge would be also a fight. <laughs> <laughs> what would you, uh, what's going through your minds right now? Um, I think that Cora is just very disoriented by the <laughs> being on stage, failing so massively at improv, and then being dropped into a pit with monsters. Um, so I think she's just trying to push everything away from her so she can get her bearings. Dito's looking for the exit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for ADA exit signs. Give me a perception check. 15? There are no exit signs. Mm, nightmare. <laughs> Top of the round, we are back with these horrifying creatures. Um, they continue to rage and tear. Some of them seem to be like crying. Some of them seem to almost be like desperate. More, more, tell us more. Just each one of them representing a different type of heckler, a different sort of audience member who really doesn't understand what their role is. As this one that was terrified of you um, scrambles to kind of get its wits about itself uh, and looks to you, each one of its heads snarling as it leaps towards you, Cora. That is a 13 to hit. Oh, it's just a 13, yeah. Oh, that's your AC? Mm-hmm. Oof, you are, I'll, I'll roll the second one now as well. The next one is going to be a 19. So both of those are gonna hit. Mm-hmm. 31 damage to you. Mm-hmm. As this creature tears into you, leaping on you, you kind of hold it back. One of its um, hooked hands you manage to catch, but the other spears you in the stomach. You feel blood warming your uh, leather armor. That is its turn as it screams in your face. Ah, I paid good money for this show. <sighs> I think Cora is starting to think, like, what What did Talia say? Like, what was the, what was, uh... Can she, can I do like a check for remembering what Talia had said? Yeah, give me an insight check, actually. That might be the best option. Right, she said, remember the challenge. 12. 12. You do vaguely remember that the challenge was just to make them laugh. And she gestured kind of openly. And at first your mind was like, make the muses laugh, make the audience laugh. But now you realize that no matter what, 
whoever the target is, you have to entertain them. That's what you're here for. I'll also add that you guys see that unfortunately it looks like the Backstreet Bards did not succeed in whatever the final round of this challenge is. <laughs> you see that they are panicked. They're like, bros, we got to get out of here. And you see one of them's like, uh, does anyone see an exit? It's like <laughs> impaled by one of the lonely and it pull, it reels him in. Dito, it is your turn again. Dito holding his spear outwards goes, oh, this is all going to heck. Lur. And then um, <laughs> is going to shoot an Eldritch Blast out at the Heckler. Okay, go ahead and roll your attacks. Okay. 15. 15 is its AC. Um, Amazing. I push it back another 10 feet also because I have Repelling Blast. This bla What does your Eldritch Blast look like, by the way? I think my Eldritch Blast looks like an exploding fountain of ink. Like it just shoots out of the pen. And at first you just think it's like plain black ink. But then if you look at it, it's almost kind of like shiny and iridescent, like an oil spill, like magic writhing Ooh, within it. It sparks and blasts this creature back. You see this flare of just all sorts of colors, orange and black inkiness as it blasts this horrible creature into one of the piles. And can I also... um as I am showering this creature with ink, um, I feel my my bard maker, my pen slash spear, um, kind of honing in and focusing on this creature, almost like I'm being like pulled towards it to target at it, and will cast my Hexblade's curse upon it. Yes, yes, now this is art! Uh, and I also need you to roll a performance check for me. Ooh, fun. That's gonna be, um, with the Hexblade's curse, 13 damage. Okay. I rolled. A 10 on the d10, and then plus three. All right. <laughs> 10. The heck lure joke doesn't get a lot of laughs. I don't get it. <laughs> I know, uh, I know. No one likes to play on words. <laughs> you hear Mopomani, the muse of tragedy, goes, I can't watch. And Talia goes, <laughs> that's okay, so long as the people are. As you um, <laughs> kind of... Capitalist. This intense power settle and more like stabilize in your hands. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else you want to do with your turn? Nope, that's my bonus action and my action. You know what? I guess I'll back up a little bit. <laughs> you I'm your scared, <laughs> so I just am like wheeling backwards and feeling like um, my pen has like seems to have a really extreme range and be able to like shoot spells across the room. So I am retreating from anything that is scary to me. Nothing shameful with writing from the shadows, my friend. Plenty of bards use pseudonyms. <laughs> that is your turn. It is now the other contestants. You look at the various contestants all in their own battles. It looks like Bovin and Hob have kind of briefly teamed up. It looks like Hob is very, very hurt. Bovin is actually doing pretty well, but you can tell that they're getting a little bit overwhelmed. You also see Cameron has kind of taken out his camera as like blinding people, and then would like, as there's this blinding effect, and they like wince and stumble back, there seems to be some sort of psychic damage going on. But worst of all, even though many seem to be struggling, you see, again, some people like Arachne doing very well, you watch as the Backstreet Bards are absolutely getting slaughtered. Uh, two no. of them are already downed, uh, and the last two have like, you know, they're like doing dance moves and kind of like shooting what looks like these sort of like blasts of arcane power, but they look overwhelmed by these horrifying creatures. That is their turn. Korra, it is now your turn. 
Okay, I think um, thinking about Talia's direction, gotta make him laugh. Um, not thinking that anything is funny at, at the moment and uh, not really knowing what to do. There's humor everywhere. It's hard to joke, right? I think that uh, Cora uh, casts Crown of Madness on uh, the heckler and says, if I can't tell a joke, then I'm going to make them laugh no matter what. And so she tries to charm them so that she can sort of direct them to do whatever she wants. Okay. Um, one humanoid of your choice that you can see within range must succeed a wisdom saving throw or become charmed by you for the duration. Once the target is charmed in this way, a twisted crown of jagged, jagged iron appears on its head and madness glows in its eyes. The charmed target must use its action before moving on each of its turns to make a melee attack against a creature other than itself that you mentally choose. The target can act normally on its own if you choose uh, no creature or if none are within its reach. On your subsequent turns, you must use your action to maintain control over the target or the spell ends. Also, the target can make a wisdom saving throw at the end of each of its turns on success the spell ends. So basically what I want to do is get it either get it to attack one of its buddies Okay. And also, I'm trying, I guess I want to try and charm it and, uh, I don't know, like, command it to laugh. <laughs> okay, okay, I see what you're doing. Uh, you watch as this creature kind of, again, it got, like, repelled back by Dino and is, is still recovering as you throw a hand up and cast the spell. You watch as this jagged crown of iron forms over its head. It rolled a five. Nice. Um, plus one is six. You watch as it kind of turns its attention to uh, one of these like longer, like dangling arm creatures that seems to be throwing these spikes out. You watch as it looks like it's going for Hob and it's about to like throw a spike as this creature looks to you. This joke's getting old. And you watch as it and begins to attack this other creature. It rolled bad on its first attack, but its second attack it is going to hit as it attacks this other sort of horde heckler that goes, I deserve that. <laughs> um, and give me a performance check as this creature is kind of overtaken by this madness. Nat 20. Ooh. As it is in this furious sort of like wild, madness. like madness, like this manic rage, it begins to cackle wildly and you begin to feel a sort of lightness take you a sort of almost like it's like you begin to float wait a minute you are floating you begin to glow with this beautiful orange light as you begin to rise into the darkness far above you the natural 20 you have succeeded wildly on your performance check okay. um you have a bonus action still uh bardic inspiration because i'm just trying to help dito get out of there uh should I fly too? <laughs> if you can, you should. Okay. That is going to be your turn, Cora. Top of the round. Um, this creature uses its turn, I believe, to attack this other monster near it, the other heckler. So at the end of its turn, I'll roll its save as it goes like, ah, wait a minute, what am I doing? That is only an 11. I believe that fails. Still continues to attack its ally. Um, You see Hob looks up to you and goes, Hob is very appreciative of this. (laughs) That is going to be um, their turn. That's their whole fucking turn. Dito, it is your turn. Make him laugh. Make him laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Make him laugh. Make him laugh. Make him laugh. Uh, You hear Erato, the muse of love and passion for your art. Show your haters some love. 
Talia responds. Oh yeah, love definitely will keep them from tearing you apart. You should definitely use love. And then another, perhaps a song will cheer them up. And Talia cuts in. Yeah, so long as it's funny. Remember, the focus is funny. Dito kind of shakes his spear up at where like the disembodied muses' <laughs> voices are coming from and says, the real Hexblade's curse is this running commentary. <laughs> you hear uh, Cleo, the muse of history, go, Ooh, that one's for the books. <laughs> the burn book. <laughs> and I will shoot another Eldritch Blast out at the Heckler, spraying them with ink. Okay. That is a 12 to hit. You do have Bardic, but you can save it if you want to, because I am going to ask you for a performance check, since mm. there was a little bit of a joke in there. Yeah, I'll, I'll save it for the performance check. Oh, Nice. That's a 22 on my performance check. I don't even need the Bardock. With a DC 20 hit, you suddenly kind of wildly shoot off this blast because you realize that you yourself are also floating. And so the blast kind of, this like inky blast shoots over the head of this creature and one of it turns, the other one goes, ah, you missed. But then you find yourself floating upward. Hob, juggle or something. Oh. Hob realizes, joke, joke, joke. <laughs> um, and Hob turns to Bo and goes, funny, we have to be funny. <laughs> Humor, well I mostly do tragedies, but I can try. As they begin to continue to rage, you guys float up and up and up, flying high. One more round will pass. Is there anything you guys want to do before you fully pass through the darkness above you? I mean, uh. If I'm flying and it comes back around to me, mm -hmm. I can try and hit it with another Eldritch Blast because my range is 240 feet. Okay, yeah, absolutely. If you want to take another shot at, you can, you see that like this, the heckler that was after you guys is still kind of madly attacking the one that was after Bo mm -hmm. and, um, and Hob. You do obviously see a number of other targets you can hit. You see like Arachne. I'm and... going to try to hit the same one that has my Hexblade's Curse on it just because oh, yeah. if I kill it, I get healing. So Ooh. I'm trying to finish it off before I go if I can. For some reason, I feel oddly drawn to finishing this vile creature. Oh yes, that's gonna be a 21 to hit. 21 hits. Seven damage. Seven damage, okay. Four plus three. You shoot this blast of ink that <laughs> hits it in the head and it stumbles back this kind of sad heckler looking going, this was supposed to cheer me up. And it begins to attack the other heckler as you watch as news of the fact that Humor could be used in this challenge still to win it, begins to spread. Arachne begins to try and, as she skitters away from ever these monsters, she tries to do like a little bit of physical comedy by trying to <laughs> catch them with webs um, in ways that would make them like fall over. <laughs> you see Hob will do a little like peekaboo and then Bo kind of brings his sword down to like cleave one in half. Everyone is trying to employ these methods that you've spread as you <sighs> pass through the darkness above you. Dito, as he's flying up, is uh, starting to feel self-conscious again and clutching at the bottom of his dress. He's never <laughs> worn a dress Ooh. above a bunch of people before. <laughs> I think Cora uh, uses a little healing magic on herself to try and close up these gaping wounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you feel this flow of warm orange light begin to stitch the wounds up. I watch Cora do that and as I see like the healing magic uh, around her, I um, tighten my grip on my spear and kind of just do the same based off of instinct, casting little cure wounds on myself. 
you all fly into the darkness and begin to see flecks of orange light far below you as others begin to successfully accomplish the challenge that you so quickly figured out as you levitate into the darkness. You are there for a few moments. And then suddenly you find yourself again standing on the stage before the muses, the crowd roaring and chanting, Dido, Dido, Cora, Cora, as you are the first two to survive the challenge. Wow, are we back in? Are we, are we back in? <laughs> yes, you're back in. Congratulations to those of you who survived. I'm wearing a dress. I'm bleeding. You see, you look around as the two of you kind of recover in this moment. Everyone is now brought back onto the stage. Paulo is center. He seems to be relaxed, like regarding you all, clearly very confident. (laughs) Ikonia beside him, the two top of the challenge, um, who managed to avoid this horrible, horrible second (laughs) round. (laughs) Can I do a perception check on Paulo? Give me an insight check. Yeah. 21. I'm trying to perceive he seems too calm, cool, and collected, and I know he's won the challenge many times, as I have been told, so um, I'm starting to think that there might be something going on here. Even though he has insanely high charisma, he rolled a two. You clock as the other contestants kind of, you know, settle into their spots and are like, you know, many of them are horribly wounded. You see that again, half of the Backstreet Bards are fully dead. <laughs> what kind of game is this? <laughs> As everyone, you see Cuthbert like covered in wounds. Diego, who's also very heavily wounded, but is trying to play it off like he doesn't even give a shit. Everyone is recovering, but your eyes are on Paulo. And you look at Paulo and see someone who is far too confident. A part of you, the majority of you feels that it is exactly how you thought. He has been in this competition many times, and he has won it every single time. But part of you also feels that there's something else at work here. Mm-hmm. You don't have enough information to form a full sort of theory that something's going on. And as you kind of are pulled out of this moment by the sound of the applause and the crowd roaring, Talia begins to speak. The rest of your uh, contestants, again, nursing their wounds. Some of them you see healing themselves as she smiles. Comedy isn't simply the ability to make others laugh, but the ability to laugh at yourself. The first step to overcoming the failures of an amateur is having a bit of humor and humility to grow as a creator. Comedy can also simply mean a story with a happy ending. Of course, Dido, Cora, Paolo, Iconia, you four are exceptional. Congratulations for winning the challenge. Paolo and Iconia, you take first and second, of course. The two of them bowing, yeah, as they (laughs) take praise from the audience. Backstreet Bards, we loved your tune, but I'm sorry. You are the punchline today. Oh my god, Jason's dead. You see, they're just cradling that. <laughs> they're, they're is this real? Cora, is this real? <laughs> the, yeah. the other one looks and goes, please, give us another chance. And she she frowns as you hear Calliope rise next to her. Better luck next time, boys. And suddenly, another hole opens up beneath them, and a shepherd's cook shoots out, <laughs> yanking them away. 
The crowd is alive with a mix of boos, cheers, and jeers, some still chanting your names, a rambunctious rabble only quieted when Calliope rises to her feet, the other muses following suit in sync with her. Congratulations, contestants. You have proven yourself worthy of moving one step closer to the glory of our gift. You have amused the muses. The crowd cheers as the muses bow and the train begins to shift, the pillars lowering, the arches opening up on either side of their long table so they may walk off, this narrator's voice again coming in over the loudspeaker. Do these bards have the discipline to outperform the competition? Or will a lack of practice lead to poor performance? We'll find out next time on Musemakers. The crowd cheers even louder, but all of that begins to fade as darkness obscures your vision, the house lights going down. The air shifts, thinning and then readjusting as the world you enter into is not the one you left. You stand before a set of clean-cut marble stairs winding up an Olympian mountain. Beautiful puffy clouds floating around you in a dark, deep blue night sky, obscuring your view of any lands below or beyond. Stars twinkle high above, the occasional shooting star burning through the heavens. It should be cold being this high in the mountains, but the air is pleasant and warm, with only a slight breeze to tossle your hair. As the two of you sort of recover and look around, you see that you are with the other contestants. You see Arachne, you see Bo, you see Hob, Iconia, Paulo, Diego, Cuthbert, Cameron. You are all there, kind of gathered at the ba base of these stairs as a little magpie flutters down once more, landing on a rock nearby. Whistles to your group once, then... Welcome, honored guests of the Muses, to Mimicene Manor! I am People, leader of the Pierides. You may treat us as your personal assistants during your stay here. If you have any requests, no matter how ridiculous, we will do our best to assist. Now, if you'll follow me, I'll lead you to the front gates and the feast we have prepared for you. That bird came to my job. Could have been one of my sisters. Thank you, Peepo. Looks to you and somehow winks with one of its dark <laughs> eyes as it f -f 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 flutters up the stairs. You guys are all left together. Great job, you guys. Incredible first showing. See, Paolo kind of pats you both on the back really hard. Ah. Oh, sorry. Still sore? And you feel a surge of healing energy as you are healed to full. Well, thank you. I need I need to talk to production right away. <laughs> oh, uh, well, we have to... I think that you might be able to speak to them at the feast if you want. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> Dita, I need hair and makeup. <laughs> uh, Dito with his... Um, uh, confusion like coming back and the uh, fear of like this situation that he's been put in uh, his hair kind of settles and his dress like uh, shrinks up and like ravels itself back together into um, his uh, usual human uniform of a hoodie and jeans and converse that kind of magical goddess look um, slowly dissipating and he starts trudging up the staircases and like looking around to see if he can find where he is you walk up the stairs. Cora, do you follow? Is there anything you want to do before you go as the group kind of, you know, begins to go? You see Cuthbert kind of, oh, this is just like one of my novels, and begins to chat with one of the other contestants. I just, uh, I kind of wait for everyone to go up the stairs first, and then I look up at the sky and see if there are any constellations that I can recognize. Give me a survival check with advantage. Excuse me, that's a seven. Seven. You look up. There are more stars than you've ever seen in your entire life up here. This is unlike your home, 
a real sky, not a simulated one. And though you do see some maybe familiar patterns, you know that perhaps that's maybe your mind recreating some of the old constellations you've seen from your youth. You see Ursa Major and Minor, you see Leo, a number of different constellations, or perhaps you're creating them yourself, but isn't that how all constellations were created? Cora takes a deep breath and starts following after everyone. I think she is excited to be here and meet new people and experience this, but is also very terrified by almost dying and being impaled by a creature. There's a lot of fear mixed with the excitement of finally getting to experience something new and and honestly empowering. Even though it was very brutal, you both found incredible degrees of success in an area that neither one of you has any training. As you walk up the stairs, you turn the corner of this mountain and see that they lead up to this massive gate with the trapezoidal towers on either side bearing these large solar symbols. A wall surrounds the top of this mountain, nine towers along it with massive bronze braziers burning with bright flames. A triumphant horn sounds and the sound of stone grinding fills your ears as the massive gates between these two towers slowly open outward, forcing you all to step back. Inside, they reveal a temple unlike any you've ever seen. Crafted from pure white and black marble stone, it is a massive multi-tiered megastructure with stairs leading from the base all the way to the very top where a coliseum-like amphitheater, one familiar to both of you, has been built. The facade is like the Acropolis of Athens in its prime. Each tier is lined with these colossal ionic columns, the busts of ten faces looking up and outward. Balconies throughout the building look out onto this vast garden that spreads before you, filled with bright flowers, orchard trees bearing plump fruit, and topiaries shaped like artists from all over, some recognizable, others mysterious and otherworldly. Near labyrinthian paths lead through all of this, and to other smaller structures within the space. You breathe, the smell of fresh flora, the sound of bugs buzzing in the air. You are no longer in your worlds. You are in the realm of higher beings. The entire temple is a bustle with activity. You see beautiful dryads, these kind of almost elvish or natural spirit sort of figures, all incredibly attractive, um, with various sort of foliage covering their basically naked forms, uh, flowers in their hair. They're all tending to the gardens or rushing to and fro, some of them stopping and like cheering as you guys enter. Um, you see nymphs splashing around in the waters of a fountain and flowing channels cut into the stone of this mountain. And then you watch as eight more magpies flutter to and fro, sort of communicating with them all as this one that has led you here kind of flutters forward, waits for you, and then flutters forward again, waiting at the next spot. These are the Hortus Elysian, or Heaven's Gardens, where... You see Paolo rolls his eyes. Yes, yes, Poopa, we've all seen the show. Just take us to the feast and leave I, us be. I haven't seen the show. You haven't seen the show? What channel is it on? <laughs> you see a number of like laughs echo throughout the dryads. Um, and yes, just joking. You see Paolo leans in and goes, try not to show all your cards too early, huh? <laughs> a joke. And then you see Echo and you go, yeah, I think it was on channel 69. At least it was in my world. Mm, I only get to four. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts my soul. <laughs> Can't afford cable. <laughs> My Netflix password is saying it's saying that I'm too many people are logged into the account. Watch a lot of TLC. <laughs> 
Um, you watch as Pipo kind of leads your group up um, and you begin to walk this main stairs, the vastness of this world spreading out beyond in the distance, taking you to a layer closer to the theater at the top. It's a bit of a walk up there and with your wounds, you're really, really feeling it. Um, but you guys press on trying not to like show any weakness around your fellow competitors. Uh, you are led up past these many beautiful vast tableaus, painted structures into the temple itself more beautiful artwork some music sort of echoing vaguely in the backgrounds it's as if all of the domains are kind of present here you even see tableaus of like history and various um, moments both captured from the show and likely many different worlds histories you are led through these vast halls and into one last large chamber that is similar design to all these beautiful kind of you know greco-roman designs but it also looks incredibly modern between two pillars on the leftmost wall is an open bar with a mirror behind the many bottles a wine red skinned nymph bartender with thick curly maroon hair tied into a bun awaiting your order to the right, you see an archway likely leading to the kitchen or some storage rooms, two satyr butlers patiently waiting there in case additional requests are made. Beyond this main space and through these vast open archways, you see the outside world, the stars of the night sky glittering high above. There is a patio-like space cut into the cliffside just outside of this hall, a place to eat your meals al fresco before what looks to be a series of infinity pools. A stairwell wraps around each of them, waterfalls pouring from one to another, verdant gardens and brilliantly bright flowers lit by torchlight. Though all of this is astonishing, the thick wooden table covered with a bounty far larger than any other you've seen demands your attention. Piles of fruits, apricots, figs, grapes, melons, olives, pickled vegetables, cured meats and cheeses, roasted boar and bird, fresh bread, dips and sauces. It is an unbelievable feast. Pipo lands nearby and gestures with a wing. Welcome to Cafe Bacchanal. This is literally, this is the Illusions Lounge, baby, from Drag <laughs> It's where they smoke all the cigarettes in Love Island. <laughs> exactly. It is, it is. I mean, if you've seen reality television, this is seems to be like the communal chamber where you guys will be able to spend a lot of time. And Paolo just kind of ignores them all, leading with Iconia to the bar itself. I'll take my usual, Dion. Iconia, can you, you want anything? Iconia tosses her ponytail. Yeah, I'll take a green juice. And the two kind of make their way around the bar as this nymph begins to prepare their drinks. You're so funny, Paolo. Paolo smiling. I know, I did amazing in that first competition. You should see me in the other rounds. Two of them laugh as the other contestants kind of begin to spread out and enjoy the space. Um, Arachne very tentatively, sort of approaching things, trying not to come off as too intimidating. Or, you know, clearly this is someone who doesn't really want to take up too much space, even though she's a massive uh, Spider Woman. Mm -hmm. um, you see Cuthbert again talking about his novels, and then Bradley looked to his sword and knew that she was the love of his life. And you like he's talking Whoa. to like Diego who goes like, I don't know, it sounds a bit contrived. And as they're kind of like breaking off and having discussions about their various art forms, what do the two of you do? I'm looking around and seeing if there's like cameramen or like a crew. I'm just kind of like, even though Dido has clearly realized that magic is real and that nothing could really explain what's happening to him. He's still looking for some kind of like um, Ashton Kutcher figure who's going to pop out and be like, psych. And he's thinking like, 
Did I sign this contract? When did I sign this contract? Was I nodding off? <laughs> <laughs> you look around. Uh, you can give me a perception check if you'd mm-hmm. like. So Cora would know, like, the whole... Yeah, Cora's seen the show before and fully kind of has an understanding the way that things go here. And this is, not this is as I described, the, like, main hangout space for all the contestants. This is where, when people aren't practicing or, like, enjoying the other sort of facilities of this space, they're here lounging, gossiping, strategizing, forming alliances. And as you kind of think that's yourself surveying the space, you watch as Paolo and Aconia kind of walk outside, drinks in hand, and are clearly chatting um, very privately as Bo follows and goes like, Hey, wait up! <laughs> I'd love to get to discuss more about what this competition will be like. Clearly trying to like muscle him his way into a sort of alliance there. You kind of get a feel for what this space is normally used for. And what was that perception check? 16. 16. You look around the space... You don't see any cameras, but you do get the feeling that you're being watched. Um, I'll kind of, uh, like, twirling around a little bit and not understanding where this feeling of having an audience could be coming from. I'll uh, make my way towards wherever Cora is. Okay, Cora, what do you think you're doing as you kind of enter into the space and, you know, take stock of this room that you are very familiar with despite never setting foot in it? Cora finds a place to sit down and be comfortable. I think that her uh, her comfort state of mind is practicing and just being like it, head in the work mm-hmm. uh, in the training. So she finds a comfortable place to sit like kind of alone and p- takes out her lyre and just starts to like pluck away and like um, play the comfortable lullaby song that she had felt before as she's like, uh, you know, she can sort of play and, and that's how she thinks. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to think through like the best way to to try and gain an advantage in the competition. And she's so suspicious of Paulo. So she's trying to figure out what her next move will be. Playing your liar, watching him as he goes and slides into the jacuzzi with Akonia. Um, Bo kind of muscling his way in, having taken a lot of time to take his intense armor off. Um, you begin to kind of analyze him and think to yourself and like you know, part of you is like, I, I would love to engage with this, but you don't really know how. So you focus on your music as uh, Dito approaches. You see my face suddenly <laughs> right in huh. front of yours. Hi. Hi. Uh, I didn't really get to introduce myself. Thank you for your help again. I'm Dito. Dito Khmer. Nice to meet you, Dito. Um, you're welcome. I I couldn't watch you fail so badly. <laughs> Thanks. Kind of sounded like a dick you hear in your head. <laughs> um, <laughs> just kind of tapping at the pen behind my ear to shut up. <laughs> Why do you keep tapping at your head like that? Um, You seem to really know what's going on here. Um, and I just wanted to know, um, could you tell me how to um, leave? I don't want to be here. I I want to go to my home and my job that I might have been fired from. I don't I don't quite understand. I've trained my whole life to be here. I couldn't imagine anyone wanting to leave. And you also know this, Cora, that people don't just get like kind of randomly drafted they usually are like they find out about this competition through like somehow you know whether it be magic or like another sort of being coming to them and inviting them the magpie for example but 
you've never heard of anyone getting on the show and be, being like, um, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> I totally respect how, how hard you have clearly trained. Um, I don't belong here, I don't think. And by that I mean, I think that a mistake has been made, maybe. Unfortunately, the gods don't make any mistakes, and everything is quite purposeful. <laughs> so Except that they chose me. I'm not, um, everyone here just seems to really know what they're doing. I'm, um... I don't know about that. You seem to know what you were doing against the heckler. I just, I, I, I work in customer service. I'm, I'm not... What's a, that? Um, like, um, a muse who puts things in QuickBooks. <clears throat> Basically, I'm, I'm not a great artist. I'm not a bard, um, or anything. So I think I should probably just, um, you know, someone probably deserves to be here more than me. Like someone like you who has trained so much. Maybe they'll just, you know, um give you a leg up and I'll just step out and go back home. Well, Dito, whether or not you think you should be here or that you belong here, you're here because they've chosen you for a reason. And the only way out is to die or to win. <sighs> well, I don't want to die. I just uh, kind of plop myself into uh, a seat on the ground next to you. So what kind of things are you good at? Um, I mean, cleaning and organizing and, um, well, I guess in my free time, I like to, you know, and I'm an artistic person. I, I like art. I just, I don't know. I haven't had a lot of time to figure out what my thing is. Well, well, I've had time, but I, I just haven't made the time. That's confusing. What kind of art do you make? I don't really know. I draw sometimes, but uh, I only have like two pages filled in my sketchbook. Um, and I play the guitar, but um, I only learned Wonderwall. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I I'm not a master in anything. You're Nothing. not a master? And you see that Diego Delore has come over. He's smoking a cigarette. You have no formal training that was not a joke from Talia? Um, some jokes, the funniest jokes, are based in truth. No, Diego? Can I bum a cigarette? Of course. <laughs> Flicks it to you. Diego looks like a boy I've been on a date with. <laughs> <laughs> Consider it a gift. The last one you're going to get from me this competition. And what's your deal? Finishes the cigarette in one pole and ashes it. You see Dion oh go, God. you can't smoke in here. But <laughs> he just completely ignores him. Nice to meet you. Um, I'm Cora. He just eyes the two of you, kind of giving you a look up and down. I like your shirt. Give me a persuasion check. <laughs> persuasion? It's a dirty 20. Dirty 20. You see that he's a bit taken aback, like as if... In fact, actually, Dito, give me a insight check. Ten. Ten. I, you kind of recognize some shock on this man's face as he puzzled looks at you. I'm plucking my liar. I'm just kind of 
providing ambiance. You seem to be very talented. Yeah, what's your specialty, Cora? What are you a master in? Um, well, my um, mother and all of my grandparents were really talented musicians, um, but uh, that's not the only thing that I'm good at. I can do poetry, and I can do um, acting, and um, dancing, and architecture, and um, I just know quite a lot of things, actually. Um, I've been classically trained in um, almost every single one of the domains uh, that the muses come from. Um, it's Except actually for comedy. He's yeah, lit another cigarette I, already. I mean, I did say almost. <laughs> Dito finishes his cigarette also in one puff, stressed <laughs> at how good it Corev is at everything. Uh, you see, wow. Diego regards you and goes, finally, someone who doesn't treat this competition like a joke. I've literally spent my entire life training for this moment. Then you understand the importance and gravity art has. It is not trivial. And you see gestures to Akonia and Paolo who are laughing in the jacuzzi with Bo kind of awkwardly just this, like taking up most of the jacuzzi <laughs> trying to be like a genial, but they're clearly ignoring him. It is serious. It is hard. You understand. Yeah. You'll go far in this competition. That's really nice of you to say. Wow, I've never met men in my life, but I think they're nice. Don't get used to it. He ashes the cigarette oh, on himself and walks not, away. They're not all nice. <laughs> Dino leans over and starts explaining Earth patriarchy. <laughs> so what you really got to understand Whoa. is at one point... <laughs> it kind of seems like there's like a Greek gods thing going on here. And some of them are pretty nasty, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my mother told me that they are not to be trusted, um, but... You you seem pretty nice, Dito. I don't really fit in with guys, so that makes sense. Okay. Do you guys mind if I um sit here? And you see uh, Arachne has kind of crawled over to you guys. She's weaving quietly. Yes, please. I scooch over and make room for her. A lot of room. <laughs> These massive spider legs just crawl and then kind of almost like when a spider dies and curls up, you watch as they kind of curl <laughs> inward and she like plops down and starts I'm, weaving. I'm thinking about every spider that I've been called up into a hotel room to kill for like a guest. <laughs> Tugging at your collar as you Sweating. look at her. <laughs> Does she know? So, um, really amazing uh, textile work. Oh, th- thanks. My flatmates crochet, so. Oh, that's amazing. What are they, any sort of specialties or? The scarves, mostly. Scarves? Oh, I mean, it's a really beautiful art form. It, it's wonderful when I hear that people are still doing it. It feels like it's not as popular these days. So have you been training your whole life and becoming a master? Is everyone a master here? <laughs> um, I just kind of took to weaving at a young age and... I've really loved it, um, and I maybe loved it a little too much, but um, I, I don't think I'm a, a master, uh, certainly not. Um, I think that we're all just, you know, every, everybody has their talents, right? Right. Right. Right, right. Her mandibles, like, <laughs> chitter a little bit. <laughs> As you guys kind of sit there, the three of you, awkwardly for a moment, Suddenly, Dito, you feel like that same kind of pulling sensation that you had when you first entered into this world, first on your soul and then on your body as you are pulled 
out of reality. Naturally. <laughs> Lisa, you being pulled out of reality? <laughs> I keep it could going never there. be a Try Not to Dive <laughs> podcast episode. And then you land hard in this chair and like rock around in it as you steady yourself. You're in what seems like a, a small room behind you looks like it's been made up to be supposed to look kind of like a, a private room that might be in this temple. And there's darkness ahead of you, high light um, on you, so it's hard to see uh, as you hear a voice. I just want to pitch that we all have legs mostly. Arachne has eight and we could all just walk places. Not that I don't hate being transported. Quiet on set. Right. Talking head. Dito. Take one. Action. Dito. How do you feel about your performance today? Surprised. I did not know there would be a performance today. Well, there's like some murmuring behind the cameras. It goes, Okay, that really gave me a lot to work with here. Uh, surprised at how uh, varied and impressive all of the contestants are. Uh, it really seems like tight competition this year. Uh, you see, there's like, a again, more murmurs from the back, and you watch as this satyr sort of grumpy bottom half, this dark goat fur legs, top of the crown of their head balding with these little uh, ram's horns, walks up to you and kind of, you know, goes, do you need, you need anything? You need water or something? Oh, some some water, yeah. yeah. Would be right. I'm a little nervous. Some water over here, yeah. <laughs> you see um, fluttering it's over first day. <laughs> another magpie kind of clutching at this magic. little glass <laughs> and hands it to you and goes, you're doing great. Pouring water on yourself. All right, action. What do you think of your fellow contestants? Anybody who you see as a potential threat? Um, um, that goblin, Hob, he was pretty funny. There's, you know, again, it's kind of silence behind <laughs> the camera, and you're beginning to remember any sort of reality show you've ever seen. You only get to see the side where it's them delivering their lines and uh -huh. some catchy music over it, but in reality, there's a lot of awkward silences as they kind of communicate behind mm -hmm. the scenes. Dito kind of takes a, a deep breath and shakes out his hands a little bit, um, knowing that whatever strange reality he's been pulled into, it seems like he has to play into it if he wants to make it through. Mostly I was um, taken back by Cora, despite um, a little bit of a shaky performance uh, on the stage with the muses. Um, she performed very admirably um, in the... Um, pit of demonic things that were attacking us. Oh, that's going to be a good clip. Uh, last question. We'll send you back and enjoy the feast. Uh, oh, okay, last one. Do you think you have a chance? I am definitely the next... Is it is it muse maker muse maid? I'm the <laughs> you suddenly are pulled back and find yourself again sitting on the couch next to Arachne who's talking to you, Cora. They have not left. It's not like his body suddenly was teleported away. Dito's been here this entire time, but you see that they like kind of have this moment where the, uh, he shakes his head and is aware again that you're in these surroundings. Oh, okay. How long is this competition? <laughs> suddenly, Cora, you are pulled out and the same experience, you are plopped down in a chair, though you are a little bit more ready than Dito would be <laughs> as you kind of plop in. Oh, my first talking head. <laughs> Talking head, Cora, take one, action. Cora, how do you feel about your performance today? 
Comedy is not my strong suit, but in this suit of armor, I'm gonna wreck the competition like I wrecked that heckler. Ooh, you see like some laughs from production as they uh, nod and again, next question comes. And uh, what do you think of your fellow competitors? Anybody who stands out? I think Paolo's up to no good. I see Paolo and Akonia together making their alliance and Bo trying to sneak in. It's like they're trying to make a threesome. <laughs> some chuckles throughout the producers. Uh, finally, do you think you have a chance for the title? I know that I will be the next muse maker. You are back in your physical form. The three of you sitting at the table and you I'm see uh, Arachne goes, Oh, did, did they just do your talking head? I continue plucking my lyre. I nailed it. Oh, I was... You see she like blinks for a moment. Whew. I was not ready. I said a lot of weird things. I kind of just talked. It just kind of spilled out of me. I don't think I nailed it. Me neither. <laughs> you see Diego smoking at another cigarette indoors. The bartender going, please, I ask you just uh, like five more steps and you'll be outside. You're going to get nicotine poisoning, man. There's a lot of secondhand smoke in here. <laughs> I fucking crushed it. And you see Cuthbert goes, I think I spent a little bit too much time talking about my book. And you guys kind of look around for a moment as you try and search for Cameron, who is, you see, crouching behind one of the couches, taking photos. I hate that guy. <laughs> um, so, sorry, I don't consent to my photo being taken. Please. Yeah, it's, I don't know what, where we are just logistically in the universe, but I just want to kind of know if this is in the contract, if this is consent state, or... <laughs> The show itself or Cameron? Just where, wherever we are. <laughs> Great question. By being here, you agree to all of this. And you see Paolo has walked in. <laughs> that can't be true. <laughs> yeah, is that true? That seems like a weird policy. <laughs> By being here, you agree. <laughs> I was kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. What was your name again? Uh, 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 oh, Dido. No. That singer, yes. Dido, I no. didn't compete that year, but you did amazing. I did not do Rainy Day, any of the you Dido the, songs. You mean, you're not... She's gone cold, I'm wondering... Dido reluctantly does a performance. <laughs> Iconia joins in with you and is doing like, why? Like doing a lot of riffing around you. And I start playing on the lair. How misses the Backstreet Bards. <laughs> They would have loved this. I only know the beginning because I only know the sample from the Eminem song. Oh, you like Eminem? No, not really. <laughs> Me too, friend. He's kind of misogynistic. <laughs> um, you see Paolo, who has, you know, kind of, it seems to already be holding court as you all gather around, goes, well, I just want to raise a glass to all of you. You are all incredibly talented artists, and I am honored to share the stage with you. I look forward to many, many, many wild times amongst us um, here in the Memosine Manor or on the stage as competitors. But just so you know, if you ever have any trouble, don't be afraid to come to my room. And, well, we don't really have doors, but knock upon the stone and I'll be there to give you any advice you need. Cheers to the Muse Makers. To the muse makers. To the muse makers. To the muse makers. Just uh, everyone agreeing. Uh, I hold up a glass of water. To the muse makers. Everyone takes a sip. 
as the night continues on. You have a moment to like gather some food, tend to your wounds a little bit. You know, technically, if you want to call this a short rest, you are welcome to. You enjoy part of this evening. What do you think as, the, you know, you're probably here for tops an hour, hour and a half. What's kind of been going through your minds as the evening begins to wrap up? I'm waiting for a moment where Paolo seems like there's even like a gap in the conversation between him and everyone else that he's kind of like holding court with, like an opportunity for me to slip in and talk to him a little bit as a newcomer. Absolutely. You see that there's definitely a moment where Iconia is like, yeah, well, I definitely need some like beauty rest. So uh, I'm going to head out. Uh, see you later. Winks at Paolo uh, and she heads off and he you know, raises a hand in a wave. Um, you see Bo go, uh, yeah, I should probably also go to bed. <laughs> An actor needs to uh, rest. <laughs> Good night. Bye, son. They all begin Like to- bison? I don't think comedy is my thing. I don't know if I, I might be offended at that, if I'm being honest. I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry. Just snorts and <laughs> walks off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Rough start, huh, kid? So you've done this before? <laughs> More times than I can count, my friend. You seem a little tense. You just gotta relax. Enjoy yeah. the ride. First aid jitters. Um, so winners can come back and do it again? That's not unfair to the other contestants? Winners, losers, anybody who competes is welcome to try again. <laughs> If they survive, that is. I don't think the Backstreet Bards are coming back anytime soon unless they recruit some new members. I guess I'm just wondering if you've... You seem like you really know what you're doing, and um, if you're kind of so good at it, is there... Isn't there something else you can do? You're not really familiar with the show at all, are you? I mean, I'm familiar now. I heard the rules. Well... You know, I compete for the people. I compete for those who have no talent and wish to be a part of such an incredible experience, but just can't. I'm here to be the best, if that makes sense, you know? And when I win, you really haven't seen any of the other seasons? Um, I can't can't recall. No, go ahead, spoil it, yeah. Well, I've won so many times that I like to give away my wishes. Oh, so you're really for the people. Oh, yes. I, You know, I love to just spread the joy, if you will. Okay. Well, I'll be for the people, too. <laughs> Finally, looks like you're up for the challenge. And yeah. you hear uh, the voice in your ear from uh, the pen once more go, Yes, rise to the occasion, young bard, for you hold destiny in your hands. I think that Paolo is kind of reminding me of Ozzy in some ways, my terrible boss at the hotel. Yeah, yeah. We'll see who can really, you know, represent the people. You're looking for a nemesis? Hmm? Then you've got one. Stands. Sort of casts a look your way. You can't. Give me an insight check. Okay. The conversation was going so well. <laughs> 17. You get a bit of suspicion. Paolo, who regards you for a moment and goes, 
I'm kidding. It's too early to make enemies. I don't have enemies, as you could probably tell. So, um, you know, same to you as everyone else. If you ever need any help, any advice, feel free to swing by my room. Thanks. Well, I should I should get off. Even someone as talented as me needs a little bit of rest. You should too. Those bags on your eyes can hold the groceries for ten families. <laughs> Never heard that one. Good night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow for the next round. And you see everyone just like, oh, yes, I'm very excited. You know, just like chattering amongst themselves as he heads off and waves to you, Cora, and you as well, Dita. That Paulo, um, he's a huge asshole. I don't know. He's 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 been pretty, uh, you know, nice in the competitions. He... he you heard he gives away his wishes and his first wish was to be able to compete as many times as he wants here so that he can give away wishes how are you cursed by hubris and that guy wasn't well someone as generous as him he doesn't deserve the kind of curse that was laid upon i was i was too proud in my work um and i kind of insulted the wrong people so um for uh for me i think it's just a little bit of a different scenario. I don't know if he seems generous. Well, I'm gonna head off to bed. Uh, if if you guys want to grab breakfast tomorrow, I'll, you know, I'll be here. I'd like that. She smiles at you. Looks to you, Cora. Cora nods. Thanks. She nods to you and heads off along with a lot of the other competitors. This room kind of clearing out as, you know, it's getting pretty late. We're getting close to midnight in whatever realm this is. So you really don't want to be here? I don't know where I want to be. I don't think I have a job back home. Well, I have some of my gigs, but I have kind of lost my big moneymaker. And, uh... Rent is due tomorrow, and I don't know how I'm going to come up with that, so there's food here and couch I can lay on, so I guess I'll stay. What's a gig (laughs) moneymaker? I'm confused at this as well! The city I live in, it's just tough, it's really hard for people. There are a lot of bards where I'm from, but um, for the people who have to make money or who have to really kind of grind to survive, you don't always get to become a master in something. Sometimes you just have to put yourself into what you have to. Hmm. I think Cora's really thinking about this. She knew that she would be meeting people from different places, and she just never considered that kind of lifestyle as an option. Like where you're from, you traveled, or you trained your whole life. Were you just alone? Do you have family or or a job? Or I have my mother who raised me all by herself. Um, and you know she she taught me everything I know, and also taught me all about my family and our lineage and where we come from. And you know I know so many stories from things I've read and seeing things I've seen. Um, and I have my friend Reggie, and um, it's 
Uh, you can't you can't see him. I I can't. No, you won't be able to. No, yeah, no, I don't see anyone right now. Yeah, he's. I can't see him either. But he's there. Okay. This young woman makes no sense. <laughs> putting a finger in my ear to like block it, Mariah Carey style. But um, but yeah, I uh, I don't really. I've never really known anything else. I bet you're gonna do really good in the competition. I need to, and I will. Well, good luck. Thank you. We say break a leg in this industry. Break, Come on. Break a leg. Why? N- no, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Betrayed by this voice. Confused, Cora picks up her lyre and like, good night, Dito. It was interesting getting to know you. Good night. A magpie f- flutters up to each of you. I can take you to your room if you want. Same here. I can take you to your room if you want. Thanks, magpie. They lead you through this beautiful building, again, passing by various forms of art as you are brought lower into the temple. The rooms here are kind of set. Clearly, if it were a tier, the performance space is at the top. Other more important facilities than the grand hall where you just were, down to your bedrooms. You are led into this sort of central common place where there's some furniture and a balcony overlooking the entire complex of Mount Parnassus, the clouds and mountain range beyond silhouettes in the darkness of the night. Attached to this main room, you see a communal bathroom and showers. Lining the halls that round this space are a number of rooms. The first thing you notice being none have doors. Only these orange curtains set into the doorways to provide a modicum of privacy. Upon each curtain you see, embroidered in black, your name, designating which room is yours. Dito, in one corner, and right next to that, Cora, on the other side of that corner. Uh, I wave goodnight to Cora and slip into my room. You slip into your room, uh, and both of you head inside, finding you have a small but comfortable chamber, furnished not only with the basics, a full bed with a tapestry bearing the solar symbol you've seen in your short time here. Shelves where clean black and orange tunics are folded, ready for use. A small Juliet balcony on the opposite side between two open window frames, providing yet another view of this stunning compound. Bronze-framed mirror and desk with a quill, some scrolls for papyrus, basic tools for any artist or creative could use. Each of you, you know, if we did a split screen, settles into your bed, your head hitting the pillow it's lumpy it's shocking you at first you're like whoa you tap it the pillow itself is very very soft but you feel something underneath it two of you simultaneously different rooms pull out this small bag of golden coins 50 golden coins all bearing solar symbol as well a note tucked along with them and as you unfurl it you see it reads residuals to be used at chiron's corner I'm like examining the coin being, I don't think this is legal tender. (laughs) Sparkles beautifully, but yet there's no way (laughs) this was printed on any legitimate press. Um, Each one of you begins to settle into your rest. Cora, uh, is there anything you want to do before you settle in? Yes. uh, After I find my money and I put it it away, I'm like, oh, wow. Um, (laughs) I don't really know what money is. You at least understand the concept yeah, in the, no, no, for the no, show, no. of course. Of course. I mean, I've seen Seinfeld, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I take out my little pan flute, and uh, I, I play a little song of rest. And um, I, I'm assuming that 
Dito can hear it across yeah, the way. Very. You're literally like, if you're the two corner rooms, essentially, so you share a wall, and Dito, you hear a very beautiful sort of flute tune coming through the open window. And so uh, if you are any friendly creatures who can hear you, performance regain hit points at the end of their short rest by spending one or more hit die. Each of those creatures regains an extra 1d6 hit points. After you finish playing this beautiful lullaby on your pan flute, you settle down, exhausted, the adrenaline of the highs and lows finally wearing off. You close your eyes, taking a breath, your consciousness slowly slipping, slipping. You hear something. Something catches you just as you're about to slip into slumber. Your eyes flutter open. People? Give me a perception check. 16. You hear two people talking from maybe a floor or two above you. It's it's a sizable distance, you know, maybe at least 60 or so feet higher into this temple. But you hear the sound of like a passionate conversation. Not just passion. Anger. Interesting. I think maybe I will go investigate that. Give me a stealth check. Sure can. <laughs> Yay. It's a nine. Nine. You carefully navigate out past the curtain, trying to be as quiet as you can. With your passive perception, Dito, you actually do hear the footsteps of Cora from her room leaving the space. I think Dito um, has just been kind of sitting on the edge of his bed, like fingers gripping the mattress, looking at the floor and thinking about everything that has happened to him in the last couple of hours. Dito will just kind of as he hears Cora pass by once she does and like her back is to him he will just um go stand kind of by his door and not follow her down but just stick his head out to see what he's hearing you peer through the curtain and you also begin to hear the sound of conversation coming from above you're not able to hear it as well but you Mm -hmm. definitely hear some sort of animated conversation from above as you see Cora slip away and head up a set of stairs you hear the voice in your head again. Would you like me to follow her, sire? Sorry, just to clarify real quick, you are my pen. I have gone by many names, fellow bard. Pen, Penis, Rachka, Kalamois, Boligrafo. You may call me whatever you wish and wield me however you want. Okay, yeah, go follow her. <laughs> of course. You see, um, this pen kind of clicks out and pops off your ear um and you watch as in the same way that when you wiggled it before it kind of becomes a little fluid it's almost snake-like as it slithers after cora (laughs) dito just stands and waits unsure really of (laughs) what's happening i'm right here i'll give you the 411 of what's going on yeah for sure as you kind of, again, go sit down in your bed waiting, uh, Cora, you begin to sneak up the stairs. Slowly but surely, the sounds get louder and louder and louder. As you finally begin to reach the floor above yours, you notice that it's coming from the top of a set of stairs kind of across. You look around, you see magpies fluttering to and fro. You're not really sure if they've seen you, but you move quickly in the shadows, moving towards the stairs. You find yourself at the base and begin to hear them. It's difficult. Do you want to go up further and try and listen in fully? Or do you want to try and get pieces of the conversation? 
I think what I want to do is use, I want to like combine two spells and right. let me know if this is broken. I want to combine uh, Reggie, Unseen Servant, with Clairvoyance. And I want Reggie to like bring this invisible sensor within range of the people talking okay. and place it so that I can like hear what's going on, Ooh. almost like a bug. Interesting. Okay, give me a check using your spellcasting modifier to see if you can kind of finagle these two spells to work together. 23. 23. Um, you kind of, with a flick of your wrist, summon your unseen servant, Reggie, uh, <laughs> who you can't see, but you have a feeling is there. Thanks, um, Reggie. And you produce a sort of sensor that is visible to you, this little orange glow that you place in air and watch as it begins to flow upwards. Um, and tell me, uh, I believe you can select a form of, I don't know if it's like, uh, is it sight? Like you, you're getting to remotely view, is that correct? Yes, so um, you create an invisible sensor within range in a location familiar to you. So t At the top of the steps, okay. it's familiar enough. Or in an obvious location that is unfamiliar to you, such as behind a door, around a corner, in a grove right. of trees. The sensor remains in place for the duration and can't be attacked or otherwise interacted with because it is invisible. When you cast the spell, you choose seeing or hearing. So I'm going to choose hearing. Mm -hmm. And I can use the sense through the sensor as if I were in the space. Okay. And as my action, I can switch from seeing to hearing. So if I decide, like, I want to flip it, see to who's see. talking, then I can do that. But right now, I want to listen. And then, uh, depending on what happens, I can maybe think to switch it. Um, for you to know, a creature that can see the sensor is a creature that benefits from being able to see invisibility or has true sight. Okay. Hold so on if second. this person who's talking does, I don't want to cheat. Okay. Thank you for telling me. So they fucking do, don't they? Be inconspicuous, Reggie. <laughs> it takes a little time to get these spells together, but eventually the successful casting allows you to move this sensor up to the top of this stone stairs. Tuning in to this clairvoyant spell, you begin to hear an intense conversation. You hear the tail end of Talia saying, I'm sorry, not as cheerful and mischievous as earlier tonight. She's speaking with someone who's obscured. Obviously, you can't see through your sensor quite yet, but you hear they speak with a strange, almost like multi-layered or reverberant effect on their acidic tongue. <laughs> Pathetic. Your domain is the real joke. If you dare to humiliate me again, I will ensure that it dies a mundane but excruciating death. Talia sniffs. She's clearly been crying. <laughs> you can't kill comedy. It's hope. It's joy. And you need it if you want to even stay relevant. The voice pauses at this, taking in what she has to say, and the muse takes a breath to collect herself, gaining more confidence. Comedy will live so long as people continue to find humor in the world. Comedy, all art for that matter, it exists with you or without you. The voice speaks again, more in control of their emotions but still biting in their tone. Maybe comedy will live on. Maybe comedy will live on, but you will not. I'm sure I can find someone who's more agreeable with my vision if you are not more well-behaved, someone desperate for power, not spoiled by it. Talia chuckles sadly to herself. If you think that that's true, then you really don't understand comedy at all. 
The voice flares at this, and there's a sort of burst of heat that you feel even from down here, searing you even from this hiding spot. You wince. Can I switch? You switch to the um, visual, and you watch as Talia is like knocked to the ground, skin charred, peeling, burnt, and smoking. She is covered in wounds now, hand over her mouth to stifle her screaming as she looks up towards this archway where this figure is obscured. You cannot see them at this angle. But you watch and see them gesture in a way, but you can't hear what they say towards her. She sort of shies away from whatever they're saying. I switch back. I will burn you again and again and again, bringing you back from the brink until you either play your part or, and at that moment, is right when you lose your footing a little bit on the stairs and drop your bag with your nine stealth check. Suddenly, the voices stop. And you, Dito, have been hearing all of this Mm -hmm. through penis or bolygrapho or whatever you want to call them. Not penis. Not penis. (laughs) Penis was one I stuck with for a while. We're going to decide on the name, you and I together. Don't worry. We're going to figure that out. (laughs) Whatever you insist, the creative gets to choose. Uh, You hear this entire conversation and you watch as Cora slips a little bit. Do I see the pen? Give me a perception check. Yeah, can I kind of like instruct... um, Weave her down, weave her down to make the pen kind of like wiggle at Cora, like a this way, this way. Yeah, you watch it. You turn, and what did you roll on your perception check? A three. A three. You want to make the pen be like obvious. The pen, I mean, like if it's not hiding, then it literally pops up, and you do, after a moment, see the pen and begin to hear footsteps coming from above. Reggie, come back. Hello, is anyone there? I uh, stealth back to my room. Give me a stealth check. You snag the pen. You assume your unseen servant, Reggie, has followed you. Stealth check. It's a 24. With ease, you sneak back down the steps, hurried, but not so much that you would blow your cover as you avoid whomever this voice was and whatever intent they would inflict upon you. You make it back to your room and you, you know, you're at the corner there as with this pen sort of wiggling in your hand. It's almost snake-like in sort of physicality. Dito, your pen's here. Thank you. You just see my little hand come out of the curtain. <laughs> Is everything okay with someone fighting? I just heard Talia. We'll, we'll talk about it more tomorrow. That's one of the muses, right? Yeah. Weird. Very. Glad my pen could help. Thank you. Um, does it just do whatever it wants? Um, I'm still kind of working it out. Hey, maybe we could, um, I don't know if you are open to an alliance. I'll look out for you and, you know, you could repay the favor if it comes up. There are many famous duos in the world. Shh. Shh. That's so annoying, right? Can I hear it? No. <laughs> <laughs> so you just were talking and then went, shh, it's just Cora. So I'm talking to the pen. The pen speaks. It says its name is Penis. <laughs> I go by many names. <laughs> shh. <laughs> is it still talking? All the time, pretty much. <laughs> Listen, I don't know if I can make an alliance. Totally. But I'll, 
I'll think about looking out for you. The offer's there. You know, if it works out for both of us. If not, no sweat. If you have to die, I have to be okay with that. I have to be okay with that, too. Grim. Good night, Dito. Have you ever killed? Cora <laughs> <laughs> slips back into her. Yeah, room. I start playing my flute again. <laughs> 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 Trying to calm down. <laughs> Finally, you both are in your rooms, rattled from the experience of today and the strange conversation you bore witness to. Dito. Yeah. You settle down in your bed. <laughs> what a familiar feeling. <laughs> I think I like sit on the edge. I'm kind of like tapping my heel, but um, Dito has this feeling often in his regular life that there's just so much going through his brain. And for a second when he was transported to this magical world, he was like, oh, phew, my responsibilities are gone. And now he's like, mm, okay, I have more responsibilities again. Um, and just the list in his mind of things that he is stressed about. Um, and his like self-consciousness and insecurities about whether he should be practicing something right now. He has no idea what he's supposed to practice. Yeah. Um, he just feels way too wired to try to sleep. You are indeed essentially fully awake, especially after hearing that conversation um, you try and calm yourself down, and for hours you are in your room, I mean, doing what Dito does whenever he can't sleep, right? Probably a trying to do something creative, trying to fill the time and be even more productive, despite exhaustion tearing away at your calm. Okay, trusty pen. Um, just kind of like sketching and then being like, what am I doing here? And like crumpling up the paper and throwing it down. You continue to do this for hours and hours. Till one moment, you, you, your hand is aching. You have to put down the pen, the voice disappearing from your mind. This entire time giving you encouragement. That one was actually pretty good. I don't know if you should have thrown it away. It's sloppy. It's sloppy. <laughs> All art starts sloppy. You can't... Okay, fine. Yep, that one's bad. Fine, if you want to say that, that that's what you say. Um, <laughs> you, like, look up from your notebook... Look at the walls, just trying to bring any sort of calm to yourself. You begin to count bricks, brick after brick. Just how long did they take to build this temple? Was it built by hand or did they use magic? Magic is real, apparently. Is any of this actually real? You blink. It might be in an institution. So much has changed. You wonder if you really never woke up from that dream, but the wounds still feel so real. Maybe this is just what real sleep is like? Yet, you blink. No, this is real life. You're trying to find some sort of calm. You close your eyes for a moment, take a deep breath to try and resettle yourself. When you open them, you are no longer sitting on your bed, you are standing. You're in a temple. It looks like Memosine Manor, but newer, freshly cut stone. Before you is an altar of sorts with candles lit in concentric circles. In the center of them, you see three identical women. Giants that tower over you. Black hair, soft brown skin, burning orange eyes, standing back to back to back in the center. One practicing her lyre, one singing, and one deep in thought. Hello, beautiful women. 
They all freeze, slowly turning their heads to look at you, faces expressionless. Is this another challenge? I'm ready for my prompt. Suddenly they open their mouths to scream, and you stumble back in shock, blinking. When you open your eyes, they are now in pieces, scattered throughout the room, golden ichor splattered on the stone, candles toppled, cloth burning. Smoke fills the air as you continue to scramble away, almost involuntarily, your foot catching a stone, causing you to tumble down a set of stairs and landing hard on your face. (sighs) You scramble up, rubbing smoke out of your eyes, but it's gone. You're in another room now. Same building, same structure, same ancient style. Golden, heavenly light spills into this chamber, pure and warm, almost glittering in the air. Linen curtains blow as a soft breeze flows through the space. Before you is a large crib, ancient yet new, simple but elegant, and painted in ivory white. It's different now. The space almost looks decorated like a child's bedroom with dolls and stuffed animals, open arch windows letting in this beautiful light. Um, I approach the crib, is there a child in it? You begin to hear crying. As you get closer, one baby, another, more cries overlapping, multiple children. You begin to feel a bit panicked as these cries get louder and louder. You find yourself rushing to the edge of the crib, getting to it and looking down. And as you look down, suddenly the face of that same figure who brought you into this realm is looking back up at you. You need to wake up. (laughs) You wake, the sound of a magpie chattering in the distance. And that is where we'll end our episode today. Honestly, sounds like my dreams. And by the way, Noah was so mean in them. <laughs> and Noah's always mean. Why am I always mean in your dreams? Thank you so much for joining us for the first episode of Muse Makers, where muses are made. Special thanks to our Eldritch patrons. If you would like to become an Eldritch patron, go to patreon.com slash try not to die pod, where we release the exclusive. That was really, we should do that every time, right? That was not planned, gang. We release this exclusive exclusive talkback show called The Afterlife at the $5 tier, and the monthly bonus episodes, a.k.a. our content Content surge. Content surge. Content surge. Content surge. At the $10 tier, um, plus many more other things. We're kind of diversifying our content, so check it out. Now is the time. Uh, Any plugs, my friends? Um, Watch Noah's streams on Tuesdays and Thursdays, twitch.tv slash Noah the Infuriator. I, spaghetti fixation, am always in the chat hanging out. So come talk to us. Let us know what you thought of the first episode. My best friend, and more importantly, my mod. (laughs) Your longest (laughs) sober. Ash, any plugs? Support your local improv comedy troupe. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, support your local improv comedy troupe. Um, right now we're in Amsterdam, and that local comedy troupe is Boom Chicago, hey. uh, which is relatively famous, we found out. Um, so I'm going to plug going to Boom Chicago if you're in the Amsterdam area. <laughs> or any other place. There's lots of Boom Chicago's. Yeah, yeah, yeah multiple, yeah. yeah. Okay, I didn't know that, but now I do. <laughs> They're in America, too. Check them like UCB, so go support your local improv, yeah. <laughs> wow, support Brendan Lee Mulligan and his wife, Izzy. <laughs> um, and also, I want to... Pl- <laughs> yeah, friends, friends of the pod. Friends of the pod. We would love to be friends with them. <laughs> love you, Mariah. Thanks for being here tonight. Mariah Carey, plugging her, plugging the page. 
H. Uh, if you want a T-shirt that has the amazing illustrations of our own spaghetti fixation, aka Dito, aka Lisa Condemi, please, uh, you know, let us know that you want a T-shirt and you can buy one. But a boom, baby! I think that's all we got for today. So it's been a while since I got to say it, but thank you once again for listening. And until next time, try, try not, not to, to die. die. All hail our Eldritch patrons, especially Anita, Any Major Dude, Ashley, Becca B, Colleen, Colin Ian, Eclair, Alana, Emily, Grace, Hope, Jacob, James, Jeff, Joey, Kate, Katie, Leo, May, Morgan, Nat, Nicola, Paige, Patrick, Roni, Sahara, and of course, our producer Patty, Patrick Bronstetter, and producer Daddies, Drew Bailey, Sam Golden, Becca Mount, and Rose Evelyn Campbell. We thank you for these podcasting powers and promise to raise hell in your names. Till next time, try not to die.